Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the one, the only, the PDH pod, an MTG podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad, a.k.a. Drac V, and let's go around the table with my co-hosts from the East Coast, starting with Dave the Alcadron Vader. How are you doing, buddy? Been better, but I'm hanging in there. Happy to be here. Good deal, good deal. You ready to talk some Baldur's Gate Commons? I love talking about Baldur's Gate Commons. This will improve my day substantially, so yes. Good, good to hear. I I hope it does. Magic cards usually do that to people. (laughs) And next up, we have the PDH PhD, the Hawaiian pizza lover himself, Liam, the Pauper Commander. How are you doing this evening? (laughs) You just had to bring that up, Brad, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. You sound very good. Got a new microphone, I see. Uh, yep, I, I, hear. I am currently borrowing a friend's microphone and will be purchasing this one for myself, apparently. Excellent. Yep. Good choice. Good choice. You sound great on my end. Yeah. Yeah. I was messing with it earlier. Uh, as you know, we were just before the show and the audio sounds significantly better. So you all can look forward to that. It's an improvement. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. Yep. I've got my green apple soda, so I'm ready to talk about some commons. What got about my y'all? Got noisy water bottle. And I've got my sweet tea and water. Perfect. Now, I did want to start off this with a question, a very important, like, like, let's get real question. On the East Coast there, is it soda or is it pop? It's soda. I grew up in Michigan, so I think it is pop. I'm ready to die on this hill. I recognize that (laughs) geographically, I'm in the minority now, having moved to the Boston area. (laughs) Um, But I, I remain ready to die on this hill. I think it's pop. It's always pop. <laughs> You're ready yes. to fight and die for it. I currently it. live about seven to eight miles from where I grew up. And uh, yeah, it's still soda. It's always been soda. Still soda, it, yep. You know, pop is like, I don't even know what to call that. Is that a candy? Like Pop rocks? Pop maybe? rocks or you know, a lollipop or I, I don't know. Like, what, what, is that? what do they call it in Missouri? Soda. Uh, it's wild soda here. Wrong. It's wild. I think some people, some people try to get cute and call it pop and like... <laughs> When I lived with my brother down in Savannah, Georgia for a little while, it was pop down. It was either pop mm-hmm. or Coke. Like you would go to a restaurant and you'd be like, oh, can I get a Coke? And they'd say, well, what kind? We have Sprite, Dr. Pepper, and Pepsi. Like, I want a, I want a Coke, like Coca-Cola. Oh, that kind of Coke. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know any other kind of Coke, I guess. That's a beverage. I've heard that about uh, the Atlanta area specifically. Because isn't Coke headquartered down there? Oh, I don't. I don't yeah, think I'm I know sure, that. like the, the Coca-Cola global headquarters is in Atlanta. Yeah, I I vaguely remember Georgia or Florida being important to either Coke or Pepsi. Could be. I don't know. I'm gonna get, possible, I'm gonna look this up possible that I'm making something up. That must yeah. explain it. <laughs> well, that's okay. You, you made it believable. Coca-Cola company headquarters is in fact located Nailed in it. Georgia. Power of Google. The power of Google. The power of Alcatraz. <laughs> One of those things is real. Yeah. (laughs) All right, with all the pop soda coke talk out of the way, we're going to finish up part two of our Commander Legends Baldur's Gate set review by going over most of the commons of the set. Um, What we've decided to do is we've each picked three of our favorites from each color as well as the color list at the end. Uh, We tried to avoid reprints. There may be a couple on the list thrown here or there. 
and we're just kind of kind of go around the horn and talk about them, kind of go through each card, not not do like a super thesis or anything on each card, just just sort of give our general impressions of it. We know that these cards have already been in circulation; they're in people's hands or in people's decks. You know, I got a bunch in my decks already, but we we wanted to catch up and do a, a set review before we get into to anything else. Even though there's another set already being spoiled currently, and that's, that's kind of crazy. Just to talk about that. <laughs> that is a discussion for a future episode yeah that could that could definitely be a whole episode I think, just talking I think we about could do an set entire episode about just like mentioning how fast set com- sets come out and then just making disgusted disgruntled noises for like an hour yeah like we could that's an entire episode right there. We could make <laughs> yeah yeah easy i think that would be entertaining too yeah not either looks like okay. it's red heavy as the crowd adding that to the show notes all right <laughs> yep there it is all right well i think i was chosen first to start off we're going to go in wooberg order so i'll hit my first card here in white my first choice up here is flaming fist it struck me when it was spoiled because it's an enchantment i'm a sucker for enchantment and it it sort of screams heroic ability like i want to give everything that i possibly can to one creature and basically flaming fist is two and a white for a legendary enchantment background and it says commander creatures you own have whenever this creature attacks it gains double strike until the end of turn what do you think dave think that it's straight up like unprecedented in pauper edh like we have a couple of really small creatures that have double strike uh we have a couple of instants and sorceries that grant double strike this is the first time ever in PDH that we have a, a permanent that permanently gives something double strike. Like, we don't even have Battle Mastery. Like, so this is a powerhouse yeah. of a card. The thing that really worries me about this card, uh, well, I guess the, the two things I want to touch on are, first of all, we briefly talked about this last week. This is a background. So uh, if you're feeling real cheeky, you want to break some rules, you want to do some rule zero stuff, I personally would be super okay with you putting this into the command zone with a choose a background creature. It's technically against the rules, but uh, it's, there's there's a bit of flexibility in this one with rule zero. The other thing I really want to talk about specifically for Flaming Fist is sure. because it can go into the 99 and it says commander creatures you own gain double strike when they attack just take a moment to imagine this thing with okay partners like roger and kelly Ro- roger is my name for the the kobold whatever his name is rock Ro- can't pronounce it his name's roger roger the the red kobold and kelly the white Ro- horse Ro- yeah it's just this Ro- voltron Ro- deck like this gives this this one permanent gives both of them double strike yeah like it's pretty absurd <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty insane. Yeah. And in a permanent type, yeah. it's difficult to remove. Sorry, too. I kind of stole the spotlight for a hot minute there. No, no, no. You're totally fine. That was, that was good thoughts. Liam, what do you think about Flaming Fist? Yeah, no, you uh, you definitely mentioned a couple things. Uh, I do want to say that we, we do actually have a, a permanent that uh, predates this that gives other things double strike. Uh, and that would be Quende, one of the mono-white legends. From oh, the, yeah. I mean, Commander's Commander. Yeah, strike. I guess. <laughs> But, you know, you're comparing apples and oranges at that point of, of who's granting what double strike. My big thing about this is we recently had a commander printed, Mr. Orfeo, that I'm sure most of you are familiar with, that doubles the power of target creature. Now, let's say theoretically every time you were activating that on his attack, you were targeting him, giving him effectively double strike. You know, rules minutia aside for how double strike actually interacts with certain mechanics. I think this is pretty powerful for White to have an effect that 
it does similar to what a junk god does. Um, definitely a, a power up for white as a color, let alone white in PTH. I think you should be playing this for sure in decks that are very aggressive. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, thanks for that, fellas. Uh, number two up, we have Icewind Stalwart. It's a three generic and a white for a three-three Tiefling warrior or Tieflung warrior. It has one of those um, keyworded phrases, protection fighting style. Whenever Icewind Stalwart enters the battlefield, exile up to one target non-warrior creature you control, then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. I don't know how super powerful this is, but for some reason in the last 14 to 18 months, I've just been <laughs> super addicted to like flickering things and bouncing things and blinking things and this is just another one of those outlets and it's another tool tool to do that and there's so many more of those types of strategies in pdh that i've just been sort of exploring that this is just another one i'm gonna throw in there i mean i don't think i have any specific reason to love it i just i like that it's another um, another flickering ability what do you guys think i really like this guy i think that this is the first time we have Flicker, a creature, uh, stapled to an ETB on a creature. You, you could argue that we had Ordinary Pony earlier from uh, an onset, but that doesn't always count. So this... Right, we have some, like, remove or uh, return permanent to your hand, but no yeah, strictly... this is the first, like, straight up Flicker. Blinking, yeah. This is the first, like, Flicker effect that is stapled to a permanent that you can Flicker, which is pretty silly when you combine this like I, yeah. I was playing a game last weekend <laughs> with my boyfriend blake and he had he had soul herder he was using soul herder to flicker icewind stalwart oh, and using that to flicker another creature so he was effectively oh, just no. flickering the other creature but it was untapping them both and putting two counters onto the soul herder every time so right it was just like yeah it got out of hand in a big hurry very fun oh that's so good that's gross i just i think the only the only thing that i really appreciate about this card is the fact that they took care to not let it just go combo-tastic. Yeah, they were with, very with careful the with it. With non-warrior creature. But I mean, I think it's, it's a solid card. Here's, it's a solid value. Here's piece. a really important fact about the non-warrior so bit. Excellent. I like it. Abdel Adrian is a warrior. Super relevant. Mm -hmm. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> most, mostly that card is just so that you don't like that is have super it flicker relevant, itself yeah. with an yeah. impact tremors and then just win the game immediately. But like, also, you can't flicker Adrian either. Or Abdel, yeah. Whatever his name is. Look out for that. All right. Well done. Well done. My last white card is Your Temple is Under Attack. Another phrase titled card. It's too generic and a white for an instant. You get to choose one. You pray for protection, which is creatures you control gain indestructible until the end of turn. Or you strike a deal. You and target opponent each draw two cards. This just seems fun. I see nothing wrong with like, this. I, I, yeah. <laughs> nothing wrong at all. I love, obviously, I mean, everybody knows I love white. I love Orzov strategies, mono white strategies, tokens, white weenies, all that sort of stuff. But they're generally pretty weak, uh, pretty low toughness. So any possible way I can jam another spell in there to protect them all, I I'm going to do that. And then also... You just draw two cards. Sometimes I don't care if an opponent draws two cards as well. What do you What do you think, Dave? Do you like drawing cards and protecting your creatures? I love this spell. I think that there's a lot of times when you want to be keeping up this mana to protect your board state. Mm -hmm. I feel like, like you said, I have a lot of white decks that go wide and need to protect lots of things. Like this can stop spot removal. It can stop, you know, a real bad attack. This can stop a board wipe, like a pestilence kind of situation, yeah. for a little while. So it's got a huge versatility there, but if you don't need that, just paying three mana, to, this is instant speed divination, 
with some politicking stapled onto it like that's yeah. that's the fail case it's just instant right. divination like <laughs> yeah that's fine yeah i'm cool with that but yeah I, I know i'm going to be guilty of holding onto this card for three turn cycles and then firing it off the turn before i need the protection spell yeah <laughs> this is the way yeah yeah i'll definitely do that too but you know i i still see like like dave was saying if the fail case on this is political divination sign me up all right dave i think you're up next what are your white choices i'm gonna start with um my favorite white card in the set is tabaxi toucaneers okay i love toucans tabaxi toucaneers is a i i moved away from my screen for a second here we go Five mana, good. I was going to guess five mana, but I wanted a visual confirmation. <laughs> two Caneers. We have a five mana for four generic and one white. Gets you a 3-2 flyer, Cat Ranger, with Myriad. This is the first time we have seen Myriad printed at Common, and I am enthusiastic about it. Liam, what do you think? Um, I think that I died to Myriad too often in the pre-release draft to you know, actually get this <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think this is actually really solid. Uh the myriad creatures in my opinion are going to go underweight from this set anyone who's never played with or against myriad doesn't really truly understand it like i'll be honest you you don't understand it until you have them flying you down every single turn because there is someone who doesn't have a flying blocker who gets attacked with the regular one and then everyone else just gets a token and it doesn't matter if you block the token or not because it goes away at the end of combat so it really is a uh if you if you don't have something big enough to just block this and live through it it really is just a game of do I take the damage or do I lose my blocker? Like, right. Myriad is one heck of a mechanic to play around, and especially at common. I am honestly excited for the decks that use it to their advantage. Very good. Brad, what do you think? I think I fit exactly into that box that Liam was just describing. Like, I am too new to Commander as a format in general, especially, well, we haven't really had this effect at PDH, but I guess I'm just too new to Commander as a format to really appreciate the mechanic, the Myriad mechanic. I, I've never played with it. I've never played against it. Oh, I, um, I wouldn't say that because prior to this set, I think there were like a grand total of like six cards with Myriad and really only one of them was good and it was reprinted in this set. So Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, but I've never even really tried to like brew commander decks or anything like that you know so whenever i see a new mechanic like this or a, a, a downshift to common or a new mechanic at common i naturally default to a 60 card format in my brain just just out of habit so i see myriad i'm like yeah it's probably not very good what are you gonna get one one token you know what i mean but no i can after, after talking to you guys and thinking about it more and more i can definitely see how this is way more way more powerful than i thought it was totally gonna fair. be the reason I'm really excited about this card in, in particular is uh, something I mentioned very briefly in the last episode. Normally, when you attack with this Myriad token, or you, you attack with a Myriad creature, you create two token copies of it that are also tapped and attacking. Generally speaking, those two copies get exiled at the end of that combat step, and so the fact that those copies also have Myriad never matters, because Myriad only triggers when you're declaring attacks. And the tokens are never declared as attackers. The thing right. that I'm really excited about here is I have a populate deck. I have a deck with <laughs> Vitugazi Guildmage, which lets you pay four mana to just populate. So you can attack with the Tucaneers. You can create right. these two copies that are tapped and attacking. And then you can populate those copies. Copies that you populate stick around at end of combat. Yeah, because they were not created by the original creature. Yeah. 
then next turn you 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 swing with two myriad creatures and you get four copies of them if you can populate wow, two of so those crazy then the next turn you swing with four myriad creatures and you create eight additional copies like the math just gets out <laughs> of hand in a hurry with these guys which i'm really excited to abuse yeah that sounds that sounds pretty yeah, fun i'm gonna have a really good time with it for now i'm gonna move on though the next card that i want to talk about in the set review is an adventure called pegasus guardian the creature half the boring half is a six mana three three flying pegasus with at the beginning of your end step if a permanent you controlled left the battlefield this turn create a one one white pegasus creature token with flying so it's a really overcosted body with a pretty cool ability if you're if your stuff's dying you get right. bodies out of it the exciting part of this card to me is for two mana it, the adventure half one one generic and one white mana gets you an instant exile target creature you control then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control we have another two mana flicker spell another one this one comes attached with a body later yep there's so many things wrong with that <laughs> so many great things so many great things are wrong with it like the people that are like this set doesn't have power clearly don't play popper because yes. the commons are just gassed i think my only real comment on uh this card and really any of the adventure new adventure cards is i'm upset that in the showcase treatments we didn't get a revival of the eldering storybook i know i was thinking that too i think that's like my only real complaint so like (laughs) watsi if you're listening secret layer (laughs) adventures in the forgotten realms storybook hit us up i'm ready you know i would totally buy yeah the other thing I like about this card is that the, the two halves sort of like feed into each other. Like you obviously put this card into a flicker deck so that you can flicker things, but then like when you cast the creature, as you continue to flicker things, you get rewarded for flickering things with just a collection of flying tokens. So, right, which will either win you the game yeah. or stop your opponents from winning. There's games. a lot of value there. I'm here for it. Yeah. The last white card that I want to talk about is uh, another modal card, similar to your temple is under attack. This one is called You're Confronted by Robbers. This is a four mana white instant with uh, you choose one. You can either stall for time, which will tap up to three target creatures, or you can call for aid to create three 1-1 white soldier creature tokens. To me, this just feels like raise the alarm, but better. It's Sure. Uh, more expensive, more options, more tokens. Uh, I like all of that. Brad, what do you think? I too like all of it. Um, I'm not sure I like it as much as your temple is under attack, mainly just because this feels a little bit... The the first half of it, the stall for time, tap up to three creatures. I'm really bad at choosing the creatures. I'm really bad at picking the right time to tap up to three. Like, I'll spend it to tap two, and then the next turn I should have spent it to tap three sort of thing. Um, I love the fact that it makes three soldiers at instant speed. That can be very powerful. That can save you uh, quite often. But I, overall, I like it. I, th- I think it's definitely going to fit into the curve somewhere on certain decks. I don't know if I can jam it into every white deck I build, but it'll definitely where in the decks that want it, it will be very strong. Well said. Liam? I actually look at this card and when I see there's an instant instead of a sorcery, it actually goes from two modes to four modes. That tap up to three target creatures, you can use that to either remove three things out of the way for your attack, 
or you can shut down three potential blockers on an opponent's tunnel right. if they're looking to maybe do a, a large attack, a large swing. And then the call for aid, like Brad was saying, you can uh, slam that down on the end step before your turn and have you know effectively three little one one hasty creatures and if you're playing token deck you're going to have a way to to pump those uh creatures up if it's not just already sitting on your field in addition you can create those three tokens at instant speed as blockers as surprise blockers um i think all around this card is extremely good i don't know if it goes in just every single white deck in existence but i think it does go in a lot of them both token and uh aggro based decks so i'm looking forward to seeing this card just kind of Maybe not single-handedly win games, but it's yeah, it'll definitely catch it's going to knock some players out. I love about it. Well said. Those are my three cards. I'm going to pass things over to Liam so uh, he can tell us about his three. All right. So my first one is Martial Impetus. Two and a white for an aura. The enchanted creature gets plus one plus one and is goaded. For those that don't know what goad is, it's the creature has to attack each combat if able and attacks a player other than you if able. And whenever the enchanted creature attacks, each other creature that's attacking one of your opponents gets plus one plus one until end of turn. This card is actually a reprint. This uh, whole cycle, the impetus cycle, actually comes from Commando 2020, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been the Akoya Commando cycle where they were printed at Uncommon. And now they're being reprinted here at Common. And that just excites me. These impetus are really good in just kind of everything. Uh, whether it's an aggressive deck to effectively tap down your opponent's creatures because they right. have to attack, um, you know, unless they give them vigilance. It's a good way to just kind of get your opponents slamming into each other to get the, the combat moving, get the life totals down. It's a good defensive card in that manner because it forces whatever creature this is enchanting to not be attacking you. I just this, this whole cycle I'm just high on, and they have new art too, which in my opinion is better than the original Akoya art. And that's coming from someone who like isn't super into D&D, I mean, I've played it before, I've DM'd once, but, you know, the whole Baldur's Gate setting is not necessarily for me, while it also doesn't turn me off. So, the whole art just looks great, and you'll be hearing more about this cycle as I go through my, my common choices. Well, I'm with you. I do love the art. It feels very fantasy, very high fantasy, very fantasy, very D&D, as opposed to the um, 2020 and 2021 printings. Um, unless I'm reading this incorrectly, I can cast this on my own creature, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Cause I'm all about that. You know, if, if I can't, obviously you want to, like you said, you want to try to use it as a removal maybe first and foremost, but if that's not an option or you don't really I mean, care sure, if they only have one, ones, say... you know, if you're going wide, I'll throw this on my commander or my biggest creature and then pump all my creatures sort of thing. Yep. Absolutely. Let's say your pot of four has gotten down to one V one you don't want to attach this to your opponent's thing because right. <laughs> that that second clause is attacks a player other than you if able. If if it's not able to, then it has to attack you. Right. And I think that, you know, this just being a good way to pump up your own team, something that you know is going to attack or something that just already has to attack. Getting a plus one plus one boost and then giving all your other attackers plus one plus yeah, one. Yeah, it's almost like mana, a permanent anthem. It's still really good. And you Dave? I, I've been a huge fan of this card since it got printed. I, I play very, very little EDH anymore. I'm kind of uh, over the format, but one of the mm-hmm. one of the very few decks I still maintain uh, is a white auras deck using uh, Autumn Tail, and this card is a is a powerhouse in that deck. It is an all star. I love it very dearly. I'm really excited to see it in Popper. I think I'm I'm, I'm excited to see all of them in Popper. I'm gonna have some fun with these guys. Uh, but this one yeah, especially, so the white too. one is my favorite, just because it is an anthem. Like the other ones do other things. But the anthem effect, I think, is huge. 
Yeah. So it's very dear to my heart. Yep. Well said. All right. My next choice is Great Sword of. I don't know which is Tia. Tia? Someone? Tia? All right. Great Sword of Tia. All right. It is a one in a white equipment. It equips for a single white mana. And it has, whenever the equipped creature attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on it and tap up to one target creature the defending player controls. So I like this because it is very reminiscent of an older cycle from one of the older core sets, M13 and 14. It's a ring cycle where it equips to a creature and I think it's like every upkeep or every combat, if the creature is a certain color, it gets a plus one, plus one counter and then I think there's some other keyword attached. This giving your attacker some kind of permanent buff in the form of a counter and then also removing a blocker is huge this is going straight slam dunk into my danitha voltron deck because it's it's on theme but it's also just a strong card being able to make something bigger every turn and simultaneously remove a blocker is so strong i think people underestimate tap abilities because they don't actually remove something from the board but tapping down a trump blocker is just as good as removing it from the field altogether. Sometimes even better because your opponents don't get those dice triggers. What do y'all have to say? I'm a big fan of the Great Sword. I never really compared it to the Rings, but that's a really powerful comparison. Uh, I've just been comparing it to Armory of Eros, where it's a strict upgrade on the Armory. Yes. Armory is already a card that I slam into decks that care about counters. So this is just. Oh, yeah. Oh, Armory is. Yeah. Um, and this is just better. Decks. It's Armory plus more. So I'm, I'm enthusiastic about the Great uh-huh. Sword. Yeah, same here. Um, it, it's got an arrest effect that you can put on a different creature every turn. You know, if there's a different threat every turn, every time you attack, tap it down. It puts counter on it. If your deck cares about counters, equipment, it's got a whole lot going for it. The equip cost is really cheap. Yeah, I'm pretty much... I was really, really kind of low on this when it was spoiled. But again, it's that's kind of a theme with this with this set and me, I guess. The more I read it, the uh, the more powerful I saw it. You know, the more potential I saw that it had, so... I'm a big fan. I'm finding that to be a big theme across the set with a lot of people is like just on the initial read, the cards don't seem to do a whole lot. But once you actually start thinking about it, they have a lot more versatility. And that's the thing is sometimes more words does not necessarily mean a better effect. Yep. Right. And my final white common is Astral Confrontation. It is four and a white for an instant exile target creature. But wait, that's this bad. Spelled, I, I know it's four and a white exile creature. I mean, come on, Brad, it's exiling the creature. That's true. I don't know. At instant speed. Five but is a lot. the spell does cost one less to cast for each opponent that you're attacking. Oh. So if you're in a full pod, this does have the chance to only cost one in a white. And I think that's as close as we're getting to a, a path or a swords in PDH for a while. Yep. I find that ability to be really strong. And, you know, some people might be like, well, you're losing the chance to be reactive to your opponent doing something or, or doing something better, which I can agree with, but I think this card is, is a slam dunk in a lot of aggressive decks where you are just looking to swing out at everyone and potentially just removing some kind of combo piece, because it, it does exile it. Right, Potentially exactly. removing a ludge combo piece or just a ludge value engine is really strong. Yep. I think this is probably one of the better versions of this effect that we currently have available in PDH, there's a lot of cards that kind of do it. A lot of them do it uh, kind of poorly at four to five mana. But if you're getting that, if you're getting that mana discount consistently, I think it's really good. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're just slamming this into a white deck that's not getting that mana discount, I don't think it's as good as it could be. Yep. 
Yeah, I 100% agree with everything you just said. It's kind of customizable. You know, if you're going wide, you can kind of choose how much you want to spend on it. If, you, if you're trying to double or triple spell that turn or you want to leave up mana for some other interaction. And like you said, yeah. it just straight up exiles them. It's not Journey to Nowhere where they can remove it and get their creature back. They're, you know, it's just, it just gone. So I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of this one as well. What about you, Dave? I'm not as big on this card as I've seen other people be. Um, I think that I think that a lot of people are reading these two, like it's two lines of text sort of like individually. Like they're seeing this exiles a creature, that's good removal. And they're seeing it costs less if you're attacking. It could potentially cost two. And like the, the number of circumstances in which you want to do those things at the same time feels very limiting to me. Uh, like, like Liam was saying, like this is probably as close as we get to like path or swords. Uh, but the, it's really far from path or swords like the the thing that makes path and swords really incredibly powerful is that they are so reactive you can keep your mana up you can you know if, if there's a big combo piece you can re remove it after someone has invested in the combo to, to interrupt it if there's a big thing you can remove it after it's been declared as an attacker on you and you can leave it alone if it's attacking someone else i think that you lose that with this card and i to me it's basically sorcery speed removal and i i'm not huge on sorcery speed removal because like it, it if you're gonna if, you, if it's gonna be worthwhile it has to be on your turn i'm not a huge fan of it like if i'm gonna play sorcery speed removal i would rather just play journey or o-ring i mean that's a fair assessment yeah absolutely uh, i do want to mention one quick little uh interaction with this so it does say one less to cast for each opponent you are attacking mm -hmm. not for each opponent that you attacked meaning this does work favorably with myriad you create those tokens, yes. you're now attacking three opponents. Yep. So I you know, I think any deck that is looking to use Myriad as kind of its its main focus, and if you're in white, should definitely kinda of look at this. Uh, or other similar mechanics that are making This tokens card is definitely attacking. like we sure. last week we talked about the Hammers of Morden Myriad new possible commander. This card is a slam dunk in that deck. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yep, I agree. All right, that wraps up our white cards. On to blue. I think Dave's going to start us off here. Dave, what you got? I would love to start us out. I'm going to open up strong with a big angry dragon. Let's talk about Oceanus Dragon. Oceanus Dragon is a 3-5 flyer for 4 generic and 2 blue mana. It has the ability, when it enters the battlefield, you get to tap a creature and opponent controls and also goad it. I like goading things. I like making things <laughs> not block. I love beefy flyers. I especially love beefy flyers that I can abuse with flicker effects. So this is just a lot of a lot of thumbs up from me. What do you guys think? Oh, damn you, Dave. I was 99% off of this one until you brought up the flicker. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm about 75% back on it. But that's anything with an Enter the Battlefield ability. Yeah, I I know. I just when I saw it, when I saw this creature, I was like, "Oh, it's a big dumb idiot," but it's blue. I like playing big dumb idiots, but typically in red and green where they fit. So I'm not, I'm never gonna play this one. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't even bother reading the text. I just kind of like, "Oh, okay." They had to make a blue dragon to finish the cycle. Here it is. Blah 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 blah. But it does have a very decent uh, ETB effect if you want to get into those shenanigans. So. Mm -hmm. I probably give it still, you know, a high C, low B. I'm not super on it, but I can see um trying to do some crazy stuff with it. What do you think, Liam? 
Yeah, so I'm looking at this, and you know, I see that tap target creature. It's, it's a good effect. I see the goad. That's it's an annoyingly good effect. But you know, I see some things are missing. You know, it's it's not an artifact, so it's it's automatically down lower gate, and it doesn't mention <laughs> instance of sorceries anywhere on it. So that's another lower gate. And you know, finally, it doesn't it doesn't do anything with like poison counters or infect. So I I gotta give it like a solid C. <laughs> Just based on that no. criteria, huh? <laughs> based solely on that criteria this whole set's a C right you know, certain cards make it to B because they're artifacts but I don't know I think this I think this card is, is it's okay harsh but fair I can I can hear Dave I can, I can feel Dave <laughs> just, just feeling right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't I don't need to impress you with this card like it's already in my decks I don't I I, I have no stake in whether or not it there ends you up go. in your decks no I think I think it's really solid but I, I'm kind of with uh, Brad on this one. It's it's probably nothing that I will play, but I will certainly yeah. face it. I, I I can see the appreciation, but I, I'm just I, I really into going. I love it when people attack. Like I I hate getting into these like long grindy games. Other that people, are just a bunch of board stalls. <laughs> like no, like ta- turn the creatures sideways, send them at someone. That's magic. See, I like. I like Goat in concept, but not in no. practice, because I want to be able to sit there and dawdle with my combo pieces, and I, I don't love like it when you force my forcing combo pieces, your combo to, attack pieces to attack. That is that's, like my favorite thing to do in Magic. Speaking of combo pieces, let's talk about a card that is almost a combo piece until it isn't. Until it isn't. The next card I want to talk about is also a dragon. This is called Nimble Claw Adept. It is a 4-mana 2-3 dragon wizard uh, with the ability Tap untap two other target permanents that is huge but wait there's more yes activate only as a sorcery and only once each turn so they uh they've built into this card that you don't get to just go infinite with two of them right you can't have two of them untapping each other in a land each time that doesn't work uh you don't get to just have fun they were thinking about that but the idea of just untapping two permanents, that by itself, seems really solid. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm with you. It does seem solid. I am not super good at identifying combos, but I, I because it's two, because you get to untap two other target permanents, there has to be some sort of uh, combo with this card. I'm not going to be the one to figure it out. Maybe you guys have already figured it out. There's I'm no not sure. Uh, but it seems strong. You can only do it once per turn. Right, but there's got are, are, are the ta- are the permanents you're untapping mm-hmm. causing the combo. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like all those words in that first sentence have to add up to something, even though you can only do it once. Maybe I'm wrong. So, Brad, you're probably not wrong. There probably is a way to make this go infinite. The issue is when they added the line "activate only as a sorcery." You added one, maybe two yeah, combo pieces to sure. that combo, right? It just went from a three-card combo to a five-card combo. And then when it says only once each turn, you just added another piece. So now you, you know you went from a you went from a well-known okay. competitive uh, combo with uh, Layweaver. I think it's Layweaver. Um, you went from a well-known competitive combo with Layweaver that's like three cards to like six or seven cards. So the deck that would better. play this yep. already has a version that it's playing that sits in the command zone. So it's you know, it had potential, and then Wizards wanted it to be a common, so, you know, they they, they, they slashed its right. power level. Makes sense to me. I was able to get in a game with this guy over the weekend where I had, um, I was playing my, my Sivris deck, Deals Warlock, that taps, tap and sacrifice to 
mill a card for each player. And then each of those players gets to choose whether you put the card in your hand or they pay three life and it stays in your graveyard. Mm-hmm. I had Sivirus. I had Tidewater Minion that can untap Sivirus. I had Nimbleclaw Adept that can untap Sivirus and Tidewater Minion. I was just using this ability four times every turn cycle <laughs> when I had the stuff to sacrifice. When I didn't, I was yeah. untapping I, Urgolem's eyes I and think that... Demir Aqueducts for just massive absurd piles of mana. Mm-hmm. I was about to say, because even if you can't combo with this, you can get a crap ton of value, whether yeah, you're untapping mana sure. rocks or you're, or you're untapping your commander that has an ability that requires it to tap. It may not go infinite, but it does synergize really well. What do you got next? The last blue card that I want to talk about is Young Blue Dragon. This guy's nothing flashy. This is a 5-mana 3-3 three, three flyer with no other abilities, so... That half of him is just a moderately overcosted body that doesn't do anything special. He has an adventure half. Mm-hmm. For two mana as a sorcery, you can scry one and then draw a card. So, as an ability, this is also a little bit overcosted. Like, you get the effect of opt for one more mana as a sorcery, <laughs> and then you get the right. body of a phantom monster for one more mana. So, individually, these things are not great, but I, I like. That the solid, it's solidly put together in one package, which I'm into. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I think, and this is the problem with uh, uh, card evaluation these days. Is this was a problem present on MDFCs, and it's a problem present here. Is that people look at the effects and they compare them separately to things that exist, but we have to remember is that these are two cards taking the slot of one so there is going to be a cost for that whether it's a deck building cost or a gameplay cost and here it's a gameplay cost because it costs extra mana but the flexibility that provides to just have two cards on one is really good so i while i agree with your assessment that you know it's a it's a two mana source of speed opt and it's a slightly worse phantom i think it's still really solid in the decks that can take advantage of it that was pretty well said Dave, I can definitely appreciate your love of the blue dragons in this set. I admire that. And your your love for adventure cards, I can also admire that. This one, I am... I don't see a deck in which I play the young blue dragon. It's completely fair. Vega. Um, yeah, possibly possibly Vega. I could see how this would be a commander's, yeah. you know, Baldur's Gate limited staple. You know, a really good card in, in limited. But I, I just don't... I'm off it. Totally I don't know. Fair. I'm not really sure what else to say. Um, <laughs> that's the end of my blue card, so I'm going to pass it off to... Uh, let's pass things off to Liam, see what he has to say. Yeah. What do you got for us? Yeah, so the first one that I got is Psychic Impetus, which is two and a blue for an aura. The enchanted creature gets uh, plus two, plus two, and becomes goaded, and whenever it attacks you, the controller of this, scries two. I think that is a really strong ability because you're either, again, forcing an opponent to attack uh, and you get the benefit of scrying two and, and fixing the draw, or you can put this on your own thing and, you know, just make it bigger. Again, I think all the impetus have merits in certain decks, and I'm just a huge fan of the fact that they were all downshifted here. Yep, I agree. I, I feel pretty much the same about this one as I did the martial impetus. It's a semi-control card, a semi-aggressive card. It can benefit you just about any way you use it. It's probably going to benefit you, uh, except in those, like you said, if you get down to the 1v1, it may become a problem. But no, I do like it. 
it works in blue white decks you know if you're running some sort of control or even tempo or heroic strategy which i like yeah i like it overall i give it a pretty solid score i'm a fan awesome and dave i will honestly say that this is my least favorite impetus i feel like the problem you run with the impetus is is that there's always this sort of like chance to get blown out like it's possible you put this on a thing and it just it attacks once and gets blocked and dies or uh yeah true you know they, they might sacrifice it in response and you might never get that strike trigger so like spending an entire card to do that and possibly only get one or zero strike triggers feels like that's i think that's the biggest feel bad for me like this this is the but you've also got a point that you can use it as a removal spell put it on put it yeah. on something that you want to yeah attack. it's i mean it's not bad as a removal spell yeah, and uh, I think it just does have that built-in, almost card disadvantage that most auras have, like you yeah. were saying. I, and I, I, I do like it for the the removal aspect of that piece. I just think that of all the potential payoffs of all the different impetuses, I think that Scry Two on attack is the weakest. I think it's impetai. I see, impetai. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> sure. impetai. No, I have no I, idea. I have no idea. I'm not a vendor. All right. Moving on to my second choice, I have Kenku Artificer. So for two and a blue, you get a 1-1 Bud Artificer. That's pretty good. And then it has an ability of, when it enters the battlefield, put three plus one plus one counters on up to one target non-creature artifact. That artifact becomes a 0-0 homunculus artifact creature with flying. I want to do a thought experiment for a second. This, this one's not necessarily for PDH. I chose this one for 60-card popper. Because there's a, a fantastic cycle of these artifact lands that are indestructible. Uh-huh. And when Kenku Artificer comes down, it animates mm-hmm. one. And now you have a 3-3 three, three flying indestructible creature. Yes. I'm I am too. It's reminiscent of the Zendikon cycle that we had a while back, which I also love those uh-huh. on the indestructible lands. So yeah, this fits right right in that vein mm-hmm. i i foresee a a new style of affinity deck coming sure. with this i'm not quite sure what it's going to do i'm i'm still kind of working on it myself but the the perks of affinity and 60 card popper is you can kind of just pick and choose any two and three colors and you have a functional deck yeah so i'm still i'm still <laughs> and it's it is sad true. but it's true so i'm still kind of messing around with this one and seeing what it is uh, but I look forward to adding it to my affinity arsenal. Sweet. I I have a few thoughts on this deck. Um, hey, go for it, Dave. <laughs> I the, the 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 deck you just described with the artifact lands turning into creatures. Uh, a friend of mine has that deck. His name is Dietrich. It's five colors. He runs all of the Zendikons mm-hmm. and all of the Awaken spells. <laughs> it's a really fun deck to play against. Yeah. and I love like the the challenge of trying to figure out how I'm going to work around these indestructible creatures that he just keeps on making. Right. That's fantastic. It's very cool. One thing you have to look out for if you're going to do this plan is uh, the Artificer's ability overwrites whatever power and toughness it has. So you have to be careful about, like, if you play a Zendikon first, right, and then you use the Artificer, it loses the Zendikon's power and toughness setting ability, and it stays at zero, 0 with three counters. So that'll yeah. make it small. If you want to make things big, you got to do Artificer first, then the Zendikon to make it bigger. Nice. I also want to compare this card to uh, one of the adventure commanders that we got in Throne of Eldraine called Animating Fairy. The adventure half of that commander has a very similar effect 
where she will turn a non-creature artifact into a zero zero. She puts four counters on it, but she doesn't give it flying. Um, and there's a very common misconception that happens here with vehicles. A lot of people think that you can target your Aradara Express with this, and your Aradara Express, which has printed power toughness 8, 6, is going to become like a 12, 10 creature, and again, <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, it does not. This thing's ability will overwrite whatever power and toughness is on that card. Yeah, because it's setting it to zero zero. There are cool yep. ways you can abuse this, though. There's a card called Fountain of Icor, which lets you pay... Th it's a mana rock that you can pay three mana to turn it into a 3-3. Three, three. That ability resets the power and toughness. So if you target it with the Artificer, it becomes a 0-0 zero, zero with three counters. Then if you use this ability, it becomes a 3-3 three, three with three counters. So with these kind of cards, and there's a couple of them. There's a Guardian Idol. we got Mimic and Dire Mimic. There's a Rusted Relic from an old Mirrodin set. We have a few of these things that will start as non-creatures and then become a creature and set their own power and toughness as part of an ability. Those will overwrite the zero-zero yep. power and toughness that this thing gives. So lots of cool space that you can do here with this build. Uh, super fun. Highly recommend it. Yeah, no, so so that's that's a card I'm looking forward to. I, I will probably find some kind of PDH application for this, if not going into my uh, Queza Eggs deck. Mm -hmm. I look forward to messing around with it. And my final choice is, is called Stunning Strike. It is two to blue for an aura. It has flash. And when it enters the battlefield, you tap the enchanted creature and remove it from combat. As long as the enchanted creature isn't legendary, it doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. So I wanted to talk about this for a few reasons. This is an effect that we get every couple of sets, and we get some variety of. Where it's a blue enchantment for around three mana, sometimes it's two, sometimes it's four, with varying degrees of when it will tap the creature. And this one will not only tap the creature, but also remove it from combat, which is interesting with that flash. And I do want to highlight that it doesn't lock down everything. As long as the enchanted creature isn't legendary, it won't untap. But in PDH, we're not really concerned about that line, because that's the line of text that makes cast down so amazing. Everything in PDH is almost non-legendary, right? I'm probably one of the only PDH people who builds exclusively legendary commanders, so this won't hurt my commanders, but a lot of PDH people tend to uh, experiment outside of that. So you could potentially shut down a commander with this. I'm thinking an aggro commander, maybe a Voltron commander. And even on top of that, just shutting down any other creature in the deck from attacking is... is a really solid effect that I think goes underplayed. Uh, another one of these that I would recommend would be uh, Winter's Rest, which doesn't let the thing untap as long as you control another snow pump. I think Stunning Strike is a, is a really good addition to the, the really PDH playable ones. What do y'all think? I think you're pretty much right. I have nothing really to add to it. It seems uh, solid. It'll get work done. Yeah, I agree. We sort of have these effects in other places, you know, these sleep effects or whatever you want to call them. I think it's going to do a lot of work like you were talking about in PDH specifically because it a lot of our commanders are not legendary. I think that's huge. I think that's going to be a huge aspect to the card. And it has flash and all that other good stuff as well. And it's easier to cast than a lot of uh, blue enchantments that do the same thing because typically a lot of those are blue-blue plus generic. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a fan. I like it. It should put in some work. Yeah, for sure. All right. That's all I got. And I think we're passing off to Brad now. Ooh, 
I think it is my turn to go through some blue cards. All right, first up on my list is yet another flicker effect. This was one of the first ones I noticed when it got spoiled. This sort of stuck out to me. The art's fun. I haven't seen it in foil, but I imagine that's that's pretty cool too. But it's blur for two generic and a blue. You get an instant. Exile target creature you control. Then return that creature card or return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control, which two and a blue is a little spicy for that, a little expensive for that. But then on top of all that, you get to draw a card. I think that's the icing on the cake for me. If this card did not say draw a card and it was that mana cost, I don't think I would even entertain playing it. But because it replaces itself, you can flicker a card that draws a card on ETB. This just feels like a lot of value to me. And it goes along with the flickering that I've been addicted to for so long now. What do you think, Dave? I had a similar sort of reaction to this. I, I looked at it and I was like, do I want to pay that much mana for a flicker effect in my flicker decks? And then I looked at all of my flicker decks and most of them are white, and they're already running Acrobatic Maneuver, which is the exact mm -hmm. same card. And I was like, oh, okay, apparently I do want to pay three mana for this effect. And right. it's going in all of them. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, so flickering isn't really a thing that I do. Uh, my, my creatures tend to, to leave the battlefield by dying, but I do see the merits of this effect. I think this is a really strong card, and I think it, it, it has its home in in a lot of blue decks yeah it's just it seems really sweet really straightforward really <laughs> yeah really value, i know value my, my my uh, uh comment was very short and concise but but that that, that, that those are my feelings my, my things leave the battlefield by dying right <laughs> not <laughs> but, not through you know, this the, flicker nonsense <laughs> the card itself is short and sweet so uh, on to the next one my next blue card is candle keep sage another legendary enchantment background for two and a blue it says commander creatures you have Commander creatures you own have, when this creature enters or leaves the battlefield, you draw a card. They're they're just feeding my flicker addiction as of late with cards like this. Um, there are so many good ETB uh, commanders we have that you know. What do you what do you think about this background there, Liam? Yeah, I think um, <laughs> I think this is really strong. It's, it, it's crazy strong, right? Because it's not just enters; it's enters or leaves. Yeah, you read it, and it it. it it reads a little weird, right? This is an enchantment on the that has to exist on the field mm -hmm. that says your commanders you own have ETB draw code. So it, it, it reads a little weird, but it, it does work the way that you want it to. You, you, you know, you, you dear listeners, you know, you're like, does this, you know, does this work if I cast this first and then cast my commander from the zone? Like, do I actually get to draw the card? Yes, yes, you do. Yep, um, 100%. The ability to take a non-blue commander add blue to your color identity, and then also say, hey, when your commander creature enters the battlefield or dies, draw a card. Oh boy, that's going to add so many levels of just thinking to your opponent's removal spells. Like, Do they actually mm -hmm. want to remove your commander? Because they're going to give you two cards, one when it leaves and one when you recast it. <laughs> right. Like, just, I, I can't. This is, this is going in so many blue decks just because it's common. Right, it can be in the 99. Yeah, it, can, it doesn't yeah. even need to sit in the zone for it to be good. Right, exactly. Um, so I'm just... And it's three mana. If you absolutely need to tutor it up, you can drift the phantasms or what have you. Those of you who follow me on Twitter should know how into this card I am. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't tweet about it a lot, but my, uh, my background image and my, my name, the handle, uh, currently says Candlekeep Sage. So I'm, I'm really, like, I can't even with this card sometimes. <laughs> What do you got, Dave? How are you clocking the Candlekeep Sage? I'm profoundly annoyed by this card because <laughs> it is far and away the best blue background, and it's the one that the Rules Committee voted to be illegal. And 
I am right. not over that. It's will, not illegal. You can play it in the 99. I will die mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> so now we got Dave dying on a hill about pop and dying mad about a card. Yeah. I mean, the, the list of things I will die mad about is pretty long. So um, this is just a, <laughs> an, an addendum to that list, but it's on there for sure. Oh, okay. All right. Next up. Well, Dave, I know I, I gave you, I was kind of joking around with your love of blue adventure dragons, but I also have one on my list. Yeah, buddy. My third, my third blue card is the Sword Coast Serpent for five generic and two blue, seven total. You get a 6-6 six, six adventure serpent dragon creature thing. The creature side of it says Sword Coast, uh, Sword Coast Serpent can't be blocked as long as you've cast a non-creature spell this turn. That's very spicy. That's super easy to do. And the adventure half of it is Capsizing Wave for a generic and a blue. It's an instant that says return car target creature to its owner's hand, uh, plain and simple. So a bounce spell on one half, and as long as you've cast a non-creature spell of anything, you can swing with a 6-6. Six, six. So pretty straightforward. Seems like it goes into a nice tempo deck, um, spells matters deck, any of that stuff. I, I know that... These sorts of decks are up your alley, Liam. What do you think about the the serpent? I love it so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've I've got at least two decks that's going, and probably another two uh, on the way. It is going in Slinvoda, uh, like hands down, easiest pick for that deck in a while. Um, and that that deck does not get a lot of new includes uh, very often. And this is also slam dunk for Vega. Just being able sure. to use a bounce spell slot and then later get to cast the commander and draw a card off of it is really good. Uh, sorry, not cast the commander, but cast the creature and draw a card yeah. off of it is, is mm -hmm. really good. In addition, that deck is casting non-creature spells left and right. So in Vega in particular, this will be this will often be just a unblockable 6-6 six -six that my opponents have to deal with. Yeah. And I won't even feel bad about it because I got to bounce a thing and, you know, cantrip with it. So Right, and you just, you didn't, you know, you you paid seven for it. It's yeah, exactly. Like you... So, you know, they can deal with the unblockable 6-6 six, six for all I can. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, like, I just, I I, I enjoy the, the, the big, dumb beat sticks. From, so, big, dumb, you know, smack your opponent in the face with it. It's really good. It's really simple. Yeah, we've had some good beat sticks in this set. Yes, yes, we yes we have. So, I'm... I'm Definitely looking forward to, to playing this in, in Vega. Dave, does this adventure serpent dragon make your list? It absolutely does. I'm a I'm a huge fan of this guy. Uh, Lee mentioned its power in Vega, and I also have a Vega list. I love it in Vega. I've already played games with it in Vega. It's it's exactly the powerhouse you think it is. Uh, the other deck I'm really excited to put this in. I mean, aside from Lojan, obviously, uh, is <laughs> Ether Sworn Sphinx. Ether Sworn Sphinx has this problem where it wants its the cards in its hand to do things and not cost seven mana, but it also wants the cards in its deck to cost seven mana and be huge, massive, dumb idiots that it can right. cascade into with the Sphinx. Yep. And this is just everything I wanted it to be for the Sphinx. It's a beautiful card. I hadn't thought about it in a in a cascade list. I like that idea yeah, a lot. Yeah. That's amazing. All right, well, I think that wraps up the blue slice of the color pie. We're going to move on to black, and I think Liam's going to start us off this time. What do you got for us? Yeah, uh, so as should be a surprise to no one, I've got the <laughs> impetus at the top of my list here. I've uh, got Parasitic Impetus, 2 and a black, for an enchant creature aura. The enchanted creature gets plus 2, plus 2, and is goaded. 
And whenever the enchanted creature attacks, its controller loses two life and you gain two life. So Brad, I believe you'll be a fan of this one because this is causing life gain and life loss, a very Orzhov thing. I'm definitely on that. This is going in my Dina list for sure now that it's legal because just that, that life gain is going to just trigger Dina left and right. And, you know, having this put on put it on my bi opponent's biggest thing, you know, maybe the thing they were going to attack with anyway... It's probably not dying in combat. It's definitely died a removal spell, and I maybe get one or two Dina triggers off of it. I'll take that for three. Oh, exactly. heck yeah. You, you know, a uh, six point, not six, but uh, four, six, eight point life mm -hmm. swing for three mana. I would definitely take that. And it fits, like you were saying, it fits in the Dina, it fits in the Orzov decks, a little gain drain strategy. Put it in Golgari, Orzov, anything like that. I, I am definitely down with that. And, and, and you're right, it does fit my play style. I love, I would rather, like, <laughs> My least favorite way to win is through combat. I'd rather drain somebody out or, or what have you. So this fits right in that niche pretty well. What about you, Dave? You like the impetus? This is my second favorite impetus. I like it a lot. Uh, I love the drain. I love the goad. It's a solid choice. I believe solid this is choice probably indeed. my second favorite impetus. But yeah, I think it's... Yeah, I can go with that. So, so far, so far, it's been so far white, black, black, black blue my, for me. My favorite we have not discussed yet, but I am... Definitely, definitely pretty high on this. I'd say okay. a second. Uh, the next card I want to talk about is actually another reprint card, and it is one that Papa absolutely needed and was timed so perfectly. Uh, Deadly Dispute. One of the Black Phone Instinct yeah, has to cast this spell, sacrifice an artifact or a creature. The effect is draw two cards, create a treasure token. I don't need to talk about the merits of this card. Everyone knows what this card does and how just disgusting it is. I'm so happy the reprint happened now because that card was approaching five dollars, and then it was like like Brad, you were doing something there for a while, yes, it like was. you know, like keeping track of deadly dispute. Like every every month, you post like an update. I, I was. It was like my uh, my financial obligation every month. It seemed like every couple of weeks. Yeah, you're like like MTG finance. Like every three weeks, just posting an update and. You know, Deadly Dispute was getting up there, and it was it was approaching fast. Like it, it hung around two dollars for a while, but then I think like within four months it jumped to five. Yeah, I think about and, a week or so before, maybe not even a week, but right before it was announced that it was getting reprinted, it was it was right at about four dollars a piece. Right before it was announced, it was four, and then I it was consistently four. You would find it on TCG, but like the the market or whatever was weird and hit five yeah, yeah. because market is weird, and then it it tanked and i'm so glad it yeah 100 you know, those who follow me know that you know i was like picking these up left and right out of a bulk <laughs> bin i don't even care like you know i i paid literally a quarter for those cards so i'm i'm so happy this this got reprinted now because it, if it didn't get a reprint here i i don't even think about what it would be right yeah now. Probably oh, oh yeah for sure and i even made a joke on twitter i was like you know if the one common that they printed in a good long while that was actually good. That cost something. They printed a D and D set. Didn't get a reprint in the Commander D and D set. I'm gonna like riot. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I, I remember people. I remember people were like, "It's too soon. They can't. You know, they wouldn't have known about it. It's like good luck with that." And then it got spoiled like a week later. And I was like, "I'm so yeah, happy." Bingo. But yeah. Uh, so that's all I have to say about that card. My next one is actually a really weird pick to a lot of people, and it's it's it is absolutely solely my pick here for my pet deck. So this is Studge. It is a single black for a 1-1 insect bat creature. It has flying, and it cannot block. However, it does have another ability. It has the blood drain ability. For one in the black, paying one life, and sacrificing Sturge, you get to draw a card. I love it. And I know that probably sounds really bad to a lot of people, but my pet deck is Shirek, and I, I will never stop talking about Shirek. 
it is my first pdh deck it is the thing that really got me into this format to begin with mm -hmm. and i i will never take that deck apart like ever and what she really cares about is your one power creatures dying right and there's a couple of effects that i run in that deck where it's like one in the black for a creature that creature enters the battlefield draw a card lose a life which is effectively what this does right i have to pay a life i get to draw a card. right but Shire is special in the fact that when your creatures with one power die, as long as Shire's on the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step, and it is worded like that, it has to be the same Shire. You know, if, if your opponent flickers your Shire, it's, it's all gone. Right. But as long as the same Shire object is, is on the field at the beginning of the next end step, all those creatures come back. Yeah, that's so, so Dai's good. abilities and ETB abilities are so good, and it creates such a value engine in that deck. Up to this set, there were only like a handful of uh, creatures that I could repeatedly do that with to draw cards. So until I hit one of them, the deck was kind of slow. But what, you know, once I hit one, the, the deck sped up a lot. But, but until that, it was slow. And I'm so happy to get another one of those creatures in into the deck. Uh, and especially at one man, I can drop this on turn one. That deck does not have a lot of turn one plays. And you know, one or two damage through combat with this isn't really fantastic. But getting that card draw started early once I get Shira on the field is just feels amazing. Yeah, I think and, you. Uh... I think you nailed it. I think you nailed the Sturge. But, like, I'll be honest. Outside of Shire, I don't think this has a lot of merits. No, no. You, <laughs> um, what do you your first couple, <laughs> Your first couple sentences where you said you love it, it's your pet card, I think that's where this is going to land with a lot of people. Uh, I think Shire is a perfect application for it. But other than that, yeah, it's it's just going to be a pet card that people love to play because they love to play weird cards like this. Like, Unwilling, Unwilling Ingredient, I believe is the name. I love playing that card. I don't know why. It never does anything for me i get to draw a card every now and then <laughs> from it but i just I, I love playing it so i think I'm, it falls into that category the sturge ingredient because i i really love the ingredient because i play a lot of mill decks so like yeah it's just value in the graveyard yeah same and here this, this to me this same feels here. like a much worse unwilling ingredient in every single deck except shira so yeah i'm glad i found a home but <laughs> right. it will not it's not going into any of my decks yeah that'll be the only home but it, it'll be good I, there i'm gonna be honest i like I opened the one copy I needed at pre-release, and you called it a day. Yep, there you go. All right, I think all we right, wheeled around. That's all I got, so I'll pass it off to you, Yeah, Dad. I think we wheeled around to me. Let's see what I'm starting off with. My black cards. First up is going to be Armor of Shadows. For a single black, you get an instant that says, until the end of turn, target creature gets plus one, plus zero, and gains indestructible. So this is like the millionth card that this text has been printed on. And it's the millionth time that I've loved this effect. Many times when I'm building a black X, you know, BX colored PDH deck, the commander is going to be black, black and whatever. And it's going to have, I almost go out of my way to find good ETBs for that creature. So I either want, or like, you know, like Tormented Hero, I want it to stick around. Either a good ETB or I want it to stick around. I don't want it to die because then I got to work to get it back and start the engine all over again, yada, yada, yada. These kind of cards help me protect it. Some of them, you know, if it dies, it brings it back into play, that sort of thing. I'll never not love these. So straight up, what do you think, Liam? Yeah, uh, I think these effects are generally pretty good. Uh, single black, give indestructible, seems solid. I'm more of a fan of the ones that cost like one of the black and, you know, have the text of when this creature dies. Yeah, for sure. Because you get those dies triggers. Yeah, I like the ETB, yeah, the dies triggers, all that stuff. But I think this is also a really good include. Uh, usually you see this effect a lot in green, not not in black. So I'm glad black got another one here. But yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a strong ability and a strong effect and I'm glad to see it. Yeah. What do you think, Dave? You like the shadows? You like the armor of? I do. Uh, I think that 
most of the time. I also prefer the uh, when it dies comes back instance. But yeah, those are I, I think overall more powerful. Really want to attack with their commander, and they're very vulnerable to like you know I attack with my commander, I cast a giant growth on it to make the damage huge, and then it eats a lightning bolt in response to the giant growth, and like that <laughs> right. feels terrible. So like the that feels bring terrible. it back into play doesn't stop that. Armor of Shadows does and makes it bigger. So like it's it's my favorite of these uh indestructible effects. In yep. my decks Hands their applications down. are limited. Excellent, excellent. Next up is a title of a card that I'm surprised has taken them almost thirty years to come up with. It is called Summon Undead. For four <laughs> generic and a black, you get a sorcery that says you may mill three cards, then return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. I love when black gets these sort of effects. Uh, these sort of reanimate effects, they're always really expensive in black, but that's okay. Um, we find a way to use them. The mill three card part, that that could almost not even be there. Sure, you could put it in a mill deck or what have you, but I'm more 90% of the time, I'm probably not milling cards. I've already got a target in my head that's in the graveyard now. So. Nah, you play this in Conrad and get four triggers with that. Yeah. That's what you're doing. Yeah, very true. <laughs> Oh, Conrad. What do you think, Liam? You want to summon Undead with me? Yeah, you know, I'm kind of shocked with you that it took 30 years to get this card name. I'm I'm, I'm kind of upset this isn't like some kind of old border card that's getting its first reprint ever, because I'm sure that that would look epic in old border. But yeah, no, I, I think this is a really solid card. Um, I would probably only be playing it in decks where that, that mill matters, because we already have five mana sorceries right, that return yeah. creatures to the battlefield that do better things. Yeah. Yeah, Rise Again, or, I mean, there's another one. I don't think it returns them to the field, but it returns them to your hand. It two returns two creature things called Urborg Uprising. Mm -hmm. Is, yep. Yeah, two creatures to hand and then draw a card, which I would play over this unless I'm looking for that mill effect. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think. I think for me, I, yeah. What about you, Dave? I have mixed feelings about this card. In, in mill decks, it seems fine. Um, the problem I have with it is that like I, I when this set came out, I started adding it to the, the decks that I wanted. I felt like I might want to run it in. And then I, I stopped myself and I started looking through those decks and I was like, what costs, like, what creatures would I spend five mana to get? And, like, the list was very small, so I ended up, like, right. I honestly kind of prefer things like Raise the Draugr, which will put two into my hand for two mana, or Omen of the Dead, excellent, which will excellent put one card. card into my hand at one mana, and then, like, let me just cast it. Because, like, I feel like most of the time I'm going to be casting something that's four or less mana. And just spending the one to put it in my hand and then the four to cast it is probably fine. Like, this card really shines when you're doing the I reanimator gotcha. thing, yeah. like, in a very dedicated way with stuff like Gloom, not Gloom Stalker, whatever Ikoria, big, beefy black thing, like, seven mana, eight powered nonsense it is, or like Ulamog's Crusher or Eldazi yeah. Devastator. If you're all in on the reanimate Crusher, strategy, yeah. this is a much-needed boon for you. But I, I don't have any decks like that, so I'm not super enthusiastic right now. Yeah, well, that's well said. Yeah, if you're on that reanimator package, especially in a 100-card mm -hmm. format, you want as many of those effects as possible. All right, my last card up is Vicious Battle Rager for three generic and a black. It's a 1-5 Dwarf Barbarian. It says, when Vicious Battle Rager enters the battlefield, you take the initiative. And then it has spiked retribution which is whenever vicious battle rager becomes blocked by a creature that creature's controller loses five life one i 
two reasons. One, I picked this card because it has initiative on it. It's a bit, it's got a big butt, so it's going to stick around at least for a little while, and it has the initiative on it. I feel like I'm not going to play a ton of initiative decks, so if I do, Black's going to be involved, whether it's going to be Demir, Orzov, what have you. I just feel like Black's going to be part of my initiative deck when I get around to building it, and this one seems like a decent addition to that deck. And then the second ability, like I'm... I'm all about, I know we can't, we don't have a ton of effects that make creatures block, but five life is not insignificant just for blocking or just for attacking. You know what I'm saying? Do you want to know a fun fact about that ability? What's that? That, that uh, line says that creature's controller loses five life mm -hmm. applies for every creature blocking. Yeah. It doesn't say becomes blocked or becomes blocked by one or more creatures. It says becomes blocked by a creature. Yeah. So if your opponent chooses to to double block it, they'll lose ten life. For that. <laughs> and see that's give it, if if I'm not sure if it exists in pop because I don't play that play style. But if there is one of those effects that says all creatures must there's block only one this if able green. is but just there is a red card. I feel like we do have one. I have to look it up again. But we've been caught stealing, which is super fun. Oh, all right. Well, I have to remember the battle rager when we get to that one. What do you think about the battle rager? Uh, Alcadron. I, I really like the Battle Rager. I'm super into all of the initiative cards. I think they're all really cool. This I think this is our like token representative of the initiative squad on the list. I really yeah. love the way that this mechanic works on this card specifically because when the initiative is getting passed around, if the bat if you're sending the Battle Rager to take it back, it's like you're saying you can keep it. Like block this with a grizzly bear and they'll bounce, whatever. You can keep the initiative <laughs> if you're willing to spend five life on it like right. that it's so much easier to just 100%. be like yeah whatever i take one you can have the initiative back that's why the, the design of this card in specific this is my favorite initiative card i think it's fantastic yeah this is like one of the, i already forgot it now but one of the early earlier cards we talked about in the in the podcast where they're on on its face you're like okay it does that thing and then it does the other thing but really when you get down to it it's like this whole decision tree like these whole you know branching off possibilities that can happen with a card like this and I'm especially high on this card because, like Sturge, it has one power. Ooh. And it is 100% good <laughs> There you go. Because <laughs> the other thing with Shirei is having a free sack outlet, Shirei leads every end step. Like the, the, next, the beginning of the next end step. So I'm able to get certain value off with certain creatures four times a ton cycle. Could you imagine venturing through the Undercity, taking the initiative, every turn that'd be amazing like yeah like don't get me wrong like i'm gonna become a huge uh combat target and the deck is already a huge combat target so i i really don't care about right. that but like initiative also triggers on your upkeep being able to take this on being able to take the initiative on the turn before you to get the initiative trigger on your upkeep i think i i'm not sure i think the undercity is is five segments long i think that works it so when it gets back round to you you have completed the whole dungeon yeah. And that's just really strong. That is really strong. I like it. All right, Dave, what do you uh what top three black cards did you pick for us? Yeah, let's talk about my black cards. Uh first one I want to talk about is called Arms of Hadar. Hadar? Hadar, I guess. I don't know. This sure. One. This is a four mana sorcery. Creatures target player controls get minus two, minus two until end of turn. This is That's just rude. It's super rude. This is as close as we come to like a one sided board wipe in Popper, I think. Like we've had there's a handful of other effects that say mm -hmm. like, you know, all creatures take two damage or all creatures get minus two, minus two. Like there's a couple that will spare specific creature types, 
So if you build your deck very right. specifically around that mm-hmm. creature type, then you get the effect of this one-sided board wipe. But this is the first time that you just get to pick a player and have the board wipe affect exclusively that player, which I think yeah. is really powerful That's, because like if you're talking about... like Usually there's only one player. Like It's rare to sit down at a table and have two people doing like that. I'm going to make 80 squirrels plan. Like There's usually only one right. guy in the 80 squirrels plan. <laughs> Being able to just murk all of their squirrels while while not touching your board feels really strong. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Good, <laughs> good talk, Liam. <laughs> yeah, I, I have I have nothing to add to that. I think you've you've made oh, all the points though. Yeah, made. and it's such a clean design too. You know, just easy casting cost, sorcery creatures get minus two minus two. Period. Like, it's just it's a very elegant design yeah. for what it does. I'm I'm very big on arms. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is called Mold Folk. Mold Folk is a two mana fungus warrior. For a one generic and one black, you get a one one life link that allows you to pay one, sacrifice another creature or an artifact, and you get to put a plus one plus one counter on Mold Folk. To me, this is very reminiscent of a well known pauper powerhouse named Carrion Feeder. This feels a little bit more yes. expensive, but also more versatile in a couple different ways. How do you guys feel about Moldful, Fred? I love it. You're right. The very first thing that comes to mind is Carrion Feeder, yeah. which is a free sacrifice outlet. This one, obviously, you have to pay one. Yeah. But it has lifelink. Like, it that really can get can. out of control real fast. And, and Carrion Feeder only cares about creatures. Moldful cares about creatures and artifacts. Like... This really just checks a lot of boxes for a lot of different decks, not just for like the ones I want to play, but for incidental value, for huge value, what you know, whatever you want to play it, and it seems like it's going to fit a lot of different archetypes. I like that this guy can eat treasures. Huge fan, huge what, fan. What of do the you fungus. think, Liam? Yeah, um, I did have this one under my lens because it is a one power creature. Like, like I, I'll be straight. Whenever the, whenever a set gets fully spoiled, the first thing I go is Scryfall, Rarity Common, ID, Black, Power <laughs> 1. What do we got? What um, do we got? <laughs> and Moldfolk does not make the list because all of my sack outlets in the deck are free. And I, I think there's one exception that I can't remember what it is. Um, but it, it was a, a very strong exception. I do like the versatility of being able to sacrifice a creature or an artifact, but for that deck it doesn't matter. The putting a plus one plus one counter on Moldfolk actually counteracts what the deck wants to do. Because the deck only cares about what the power was when the creature left the battlefield, not actually what it is in the graveyard. Right. So Moldfolk, like, inherently has, like, three things going against it. Um, I do like the lifelink. I think that has merits and legs to stand on in 60 card. Yeah, I mean, even if you gain four life off this off this guy before he eventually dies forever, for sure. I think that's great value for a, for a two-mana 1-1. Yeah, I, one, one. I, I think it has a lot of legs in 60 card. I think in the right PDH deck, it's probably really good. Um, I don't think it's a generic aristocrats piece, uh, just because we have enough free sack outlets. But yeah, I, I think I think it does. I kind of disagree. Merits. I think it is a new like generic staple aristocrat piece. <laughs> like, I I have a lot of decks that want to have access to a sacrifice outlet like all the time. Like I have a a Nadir Miara deck that wants to be able to just sacrifice Nadir to get a lot of elves when it needs to. I have a Barrowin deck that wants to be able to sacrifice Barrowin mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. with one of these like Feign Your Own Death, Undying Evil, Undying Malice things on her. So she comes right back and gets those ventures. All of them are just desperate for more of these effects. And Moldfolk is a slam dunk. Like, it's not Carrion Feeder, 
but it is one of the best we have. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I would have to agree. I, yeah, definitely, it's not, fan it's not a shooting big card, fan. but it's, I think it's a house. I'm really excited about it. It's going into a lot of my decks. Yeah, I am too. Uh, okay. <laughs> If it's not a shoe, it's um, a bad. <laughs> well, Dave, it looks like you have a uh, background on your list as well. What do you got? I do. I want to talk to you guys about Scion of Halaster. This is the common black background. For a generic and a black mana, you get a legendary enchantment. Creatures you control have. The first time you would draw a card each turn, instead, look at the top two cards of your library, put one of them into your graveyard, the other back on top of your library, then you draw that card. That's this, crazy, right? Super crazy. Like, you just put this in <laughs> decks that care about graveyard stuff, like flashback, self-mill decks. This is card yeah. selection. This is filling up your graveyard. If you put this in a deck with two commanders, this weird replacement thing happens where the first time you would draw a card, you look at the top two, you put one to the graveyard, put one back, then you look at the top two, Put one into your graveyard, put one back, then you draw one. Yeah. Wow. Because you haven't drawn it yeah. yet. Yeah. That, so you look at the top three, two of which end up in the graveyard, one of which ends yes. up in hand. Yeah, I mean... It's yeah. a free ponder every turn. The thing that I like yeah. the most about <laughs> this card is that it doesn't say the first time you would draw a card on your turn. It says no. the first turn. time you would draw a card each turn. So if you can find each a way to turn. draw a card on an opponent's turn, you're getting this effect over and over again. Which we just have that, like, we have that. We have village rights and deadly disputes yeah. and all this it's crazy sexual. instant speed stuff to draw cards. We now. have bonders ornaments. We yeah. have thrill ornaments. Yeah, yeah. We can. You know, this. I want to play with this with dredge, like so bad. Yeah. Yeah, the dredge, the flashbacky things. Like this is gonna be well, it, it probably doesn't work really well with dredge because you need to replace your draw with the dredge. So you, you wouldn't be able to replace it. I guess you could you could replace it. You could replace it with Scion of Halister first. Then when Scion had you draw right. a card, you can replace that with the dredge. That's weird. Right. Uh, exactly. Yeah, that works a little bit. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> uh but yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of this guy. I'm a big proponent. Uh I think it's gonna Yeah, I am too. Yeah. Very good choice. Uh that's gonna wrap up our black oh is that it for the black we kind of went yeah we're doing that little round the horn little snake pattern almost i guess it's back to me to start with yeah, some red cards huh? red. yep sure is. all right this is when we started uh talked a little bit before the show about it. it was a little polarizing but we'll get into it here the first one on my list for red cards is javelin of lightning it is one generic and a red for a for an equipment with flash it says when javelin of lightning enters the battlefield attach it to target creature you control as long as it's your turn, equipped creature gets plus two, plus zero, and has first strike, and you can equip it for four generic mana. I like it. Like I said during the pre-show, I'm just a fan of equipment that auto-attaches when it enters the battlefield. I almost don't care what it does otherwise, which is evident by this, because necessarily it, or I, I didn't really read at first that it's only on your turn it gets the buff, the plus two, plus oh. But that's still not enough to turn me off of the fact that it just auto-attaches to creatures like Goblin, Ga you know, Gavalier, and uh, Champion of Flame, and yada, yada, yada. All these creatures that love being equipped. So I'll still play it. It'll probably probably be terrible. I'll probably end up cutting it from a deck. But it, I will definitely try it out. What do you think, Liam? 
Yeah, uh, actually, before the show, when we, were, when we were having a lot of discussion, I was like super hype on this. I was ready to uh, slam this right into my Captain Ripley Vance deck. Now I'm looking at it because of, of something Dave said that, you know, reading the card explains the card. And reading the card <laughs> and seeing it says, as long as it's your turn, the Eclipse Creature gets plus two plus yep. zero. I missed that. I, I thought it, it, you know, I thought it was Eclipse Creature gets plus two plus two, and as long as it's your turn, it has first strike. And that I was a fan of, because I just care about the power boost in, in uh, Ripley. But, you know, I'm not so high on it anymore. I'm, I'm a little sad about it. Uh, I'm not sure if, if it'll still make the deck, because uh, card slots in that deck are, are hard-pressed. Yeah, and that deck's um, trying to do really a specific have... thing. So, yeah, it, it really is trying to do a very specific thing. At a specific thing, time. If, if cards just don't meet every check, they don't make it. Right. And... I thought this card made every check, and then I reread it, and it, it doesn't. So a little less hype on it. Um, I'll probably still find a deck for it to go somewhere because it looks sweet, but I just don't know what that deck is yet. Yeah, no, that, that's totally fair. Dave, what do you think of the pop, of Popper's Embercleave? I think it's really underwhelming. I think that four mana is an absurd <laughs> equip cost for it. I think that it not Absolutely. doing anything on yep. other people's turns is really bad. I think it's just... To, to me, it feels like a Thunderstrike. Like uh, the, a two mana red instant that gives a creature plus two plus O in first strike. Like it's better than Thunderstrike, mm -hmm. but that's such a low bar to clear. Like, but that's such a low bar, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, you you definitely have to have like I'm currently in real life building a a Rayev you know Boros equipment deck, and this is going in there strictly because I need equipment that auto attaches. I ain't got time to be equipping stuff and spending mana. Like it's got to go right, right now. That that plan works, and it probably still be bad in that deck. That plan works right up until something dies. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but that's that's for future Brad to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> that's a problem for someone else. Right. All right. Next up, we have another dragon. There's a lot of dragons in this set. We have Patron of the Arts for two generic and a red. We get a 3-1 Dragon Noble that says when Patron of the Arts enters or enters the battlefield or dies, create a treasure token. I like it. The art's fantastic. It's this, it's this dragon dressed up as a lady stealing a painting. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, and it's a lady looking left. Or is she looking right? She's looking to my left. Uh, I'm not sure what EDH deck that fits into, but pays for itself. If you want to put it in an aristocrat strategy, it's got decent power. Yeah, I don't know that I would play it in every red deck or even every red deck that cared about treasures, but for what you want it to do, it definitely does it very well. What do you think, Dave? Uh, I think I have a red deck that cares about treasures, and it is very enthusiastic about this card. I think I have a lot of red decks that okay. don't care about treasures, and uh, they're not interested. Yep, I just I haven't brewed or played a lot of you know treasure decks, quote unquote. So I'm sure it's good there. But what do you think, Liam? I'm having trouble remembering how the Cormello loop works because I've not had a chance to actually physically play it yet. Okay. Yeah, same here. And I feel like if it I feel like if it works the way that I think it does, Patron might so make it the deck. But in the event that I'm wrong in misremembering how that loop functions, I'm very iffy on the cut. I think it's strong, but it needs the right Would you deck like to go. To tell you how yeah, the Cormello loop absolutely. Functions? I, well, I, 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 you know, I theoretically know how it functions. I have it built. Um, it's it's Cormella and then a, a sack, sack, a sack outlet, outlet that makes mana. It has to be altar or Yes, uh, a sack outlet that makes mana, and then 
the weird demon gifts card. Demonic that gifts returns Cormella untapped. Exhume also returns Cormella untapped. It is possible to use another yeah. one, like Rise and Again, if you have a cost reducer and your win con doesn't generate. In like if with a yep. cost reducer, Rise Again is mana neutral with Ashnod's altar. But the yes, yes, and sometimes the win con costs right. mana. Sometimes it doesn't. I'm trying to rely on the ones that yep. don't cost mana. That way, that that way, you know, you can still still win on the neutral cuts. But you know, I'm still yeah. also running the storm. Storm cards is the category of doesn't storm. cost infinite mana um, because storm you just cast Cormella right three thousand exactly. times and then grape shot um, costs two mana. Right, exactly. Um, so so I'm kind of in the boat that this card is yeah, it, is it good, doesn't just it doesn't right interact deck. with Cormella's loop in any meaningful way. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking, but I was I, I couldn't remember if Cormella was interacting with an instant of sorcery or if she was interacting with a creature. And yep. it's only instant sorcery. Yeah, it turns out it's instant and sorceries because Grixis. Because Grixis stuff. I, I remember why I love Cormella. All right, next last on my list of red cardboard is Warehouse Thief for three generic and a red. You get a four-two T flung rogue that says. Two and tap, two generic, and tap this creature. Sacrifice an artifact or a creature. Exile the top card of your library until the end of your next turn. You may play that card. I'm a fan of it. It's got some incidental party synergies. Um, decent power, not great toughness, but decent power. Four power for four mana. You know, it's it's about on rate. And it has the impulse, I guess you call it, the impulse effect. Exile a card, cast it, do whatever. It seems fun. I think this is more... I think this is on my list because it's more interesting. Like, I, I want to play with it to see what I can do with it rather than I know it's going to be good. You know, does that make sense? And that's that's pretty much what I want to do. Like, I feel like you can do some cool stuff with this. I feel like it'll be cool if you can keep it on the battlefield for a while. But we'll just have to kind of play with it and see. What do you think, Liam? This is a sort of a, a Spells Matters, sort of a Spells Matters card. What do you think? I like it because it's repeatable value. There are plenty of artifacts that just kind of sit on the board that don't really accrue value that you want to sacrifice. Um, and there are decks that, that are centered around that, uh, such as Jury. I think this would be a, a good deck for the, for those cards. Um, for the, for the, the, the decks that are running, uh, like Microsynth Wellspring, and uh, I'm forgetting some of the ones that were Prize Statue, and the not Thopta one, but the, the Sorvo. Thank you. Uh, for those types of cards, I think this is fantastic. This is giving you a way to, to sacrifice them. It's giving you a way to get that extra value. It's giving you a way to even just get additional value by getting access to more cards. I kind of like it. I don't think there's really any uh, easy loops to do with this, uh, thanks to that mana gate on there. But I do think that it is a solid, repeatable value piece that Red desperately needed. Yeah, well said. What do you think, Dave? I'm not very enthusiastic about it. If he didn't tap to activate this ability, then I would like it a lot more. Sure. I want to in in the kind of deck that I want to be utilizing this effect. I also want to be attacking with my creatures. I don't want to have to leave the four yeah, two back sense. on defense and not attack with it in case someone blocks one of my things, so I can sacrifice the blocked thing and get value out of it instead. Like I don't like that. Yeah. Especially considering uh, we we are recording this on June twenty first. A couple days ago, we mm -hmm. got some spoilers for the second Double Masters. In that set, we are seeing a downshift of Dark Dweller Oracle, which is yes. everything the Warehouse Thief wants to be, but like twice as good. Right. <laughs> so like, 
the the warehouse thief is not impressing me. Like Dark Dark Dweller Oracle kind of impresses me. Like this is the card I would put into jury if I was going to put something in. Like not the thief. I do completely agree with what Brad said at the beginning though. This is this is not a card that makes the list because it's really good or powerful. It's a card that makes the list because you want to see what happens with it. You want to mess around with it. So I it yeah, is definitely going to be good at that. Impulse drawing is super fun. Yeah. And uh, that pretty much wraps up my cards. I think, Dave, you're on deck. What you got? Uh, yeah, let me look at my red cards. First red card I want to talk about, as long as we're talking about things that aren't really good, but just really fun, things we want to mess around mm -hmm. with, we need to talk about 100%. Coronation of Chaos. Yes. This is a three-mana red sorcery. Up to three target creatures can't block this turn. Goad them. <laughs> Goad is killing I Commander. love Goad so much. Like this card and the Oceanus Dragon and the entire impetus cycle. Like I'm really excited about just making everyone attack everyone. This is like my favorite thing to do in Magic. So I'm Coronation of Chaos is one of the, the cards that's just going to make it into like in a ridiculous number of my decks. Like a bunch of decks that it doesn't belong in. It's going in. Yeah, and it's affecting multiple attack phases like you're probably using it on your attack phase to get creatures not to be able to block and then you're also goading them for next turn like it just seems like well it's got chaos yes. in the title so kind of seems like that yeah it's gonna be fantastic william what do you how do you feel about coronation of chaos i i don't like it mm. it it goads three things and goad is a so that's three of his yeah, goad is a bad mechanic my you know i <laughs> I like to have full control of my combat step, and the minute that somebody goads me is the minute they become my target number one. So, yeah. Oh, that's Spoken perfect. Like a true I'll be your target number one, and you're not allowed to attack me. Yeah, see, that's not how that works. That's exactly how goad see. works. <laughs> I'm, I'm goading your cards exclusively whenever yeah. we play. It's going to be fantastic. Dave, you don't, you don't understand. You see, you goad my stuff, and then all of my spells target. Perfect. I do oh, love spells. Yeah, my, my creatures may not be able to target you, but my spells can, and my spells hurt. The next card I want to talk about is called Ingenious Artillerist. Uh, hopefully we all remember a card called Reckless Fireweaver, which is a powerhouse in artifact decks and oh, yes. a combo piece in several decks. We have another one of those. Uh, Ingenious Artillerist is a 3-mana, three 3-1 three human artificer with... Whenever one or more artifacts enter the battlefield under your control, the artillerist deals that much damage to each opponent. Wait, 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 hold on. So you're telling me that Capenna gave us a yes. second impact tremors, and Baldur's Gate is giving us a second yes. reckless fireweaver? Oh, this is happening. Yes, yep. that's exactly uh, what one, he's saying. He costs one more than the fireweaver, <laughs> and he's a 3-1 instead of a 1-3. Uh, aside from that, this functions exactly the same in PDH. It's worded a little differently. As far as I can tell, that wording only matters for Torbon, who's not legal in the format. So don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, this is uh, it's powerhouse for artifact decks, powerhouse for combo decks. What do you guys think of the Artillerist? Yeah, I think you nailed it. I, I would love to have as many copies of Fireweaver as I can. So Solid. bring it on. So I, I will say that it is... A little more relevant to our format the way that it is worded because reckless fireweaver is creating a bunch of different sources of damage the ingenious artillerist is creating one source of damage right so say you have five artifacts into the battlefield no matter what happens each creature is going to deal five damage to each opponent 
but Reckless Fireweaver is doing one damage five times, and Artillerist that is dealing only five matters for Torban. It is relevant for like, it is relevant for effects that are similar to Stifle, and it is relevant in other ways that I'm I'm trying to remember right now because uh, I've had to explain okay. this before. <laughs> okay, um, I guess I guess there's I, a and I'm there's a slim uh, outside chance I, that it could I, matter I ex- with uh, Chrome Shell Crab, Mirror Shell Crab. <laughs> Yes, Mirachelle, yes. Yeah. I, I had yeah. to explain this just to EDH players. Ed- so, so I, I, I'm lacking EDH a lot of the same Torban. cards because this is PDH. We don't, we don't, we don't have access EDH, to. We do not have Torban. Uh, yes, we don't have access to certain um, effects. I'm, I'm not even talking about Torban. I'm we don't have about, stifle. Like, literally stifle. Um, <laughs> uh, we don't. <laughs> we we don't have access to certain levels of effects just because of rarity. But for those of you who may be playing this card outside of PDH, because it is fairly universal you need to be aware of that interaction but like i think it's going to matter like once every million games that are played of commander so like i don't see it being a problem the last red card i want to talk about is uh the red background this is called tavern brawler it is a three mana enchantment with commander creatures you own have at the beginning of your upkeep exile the top card of your library this creature gets plus x plus o until end of turn, what X is that card's mana value, you may play that card this turn. I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm just going to turn it over to Brad. Tell me what you think. <laughs> I don't know what to think. I, I love the... Like, I'm only trying to look at the ceiling, and I love the ceiling of it. Um, I love being able to exile a, a, a... I don't know, a boarding party, or an Altasaur, or just something crazy and just swing in for a million damage and win the game or whatever. But because I do that, because I know my tendencies, because I'm looking so hard at what the ceiling is, I'm just, I'm ignoring the floor. Like, you mean, to me, many times this card may not do anything. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean... Not draw the land. You know, you flip a land, and, and what are you going to do? You don't get any boost. Yeah, you do skip it. There is that. I I guess I hadn't really considered that. You are exiling it, so if you want to play it, play it. If, if it's not going to be any good for you, you just skip it. So there is that. Like I said, I, I hadn't. I was not looking at it, that aspect. I was just looking sort of on the face value of it. But I do like that. I'll be I like totally your deep honest. Dive. I like your big brain. The first time I read this card, card, I sort of like was with you. I was assess- I was assessing this in terms of like how much power can I get out of it, and I was looking at like the average casting cost among my decks, like. Can I expect to hit the boarding parties, or am I just going to hit like lands and lightning bolts? And then I was like, yeah. wait a second, I don't care about the power. This is just Phyrexian Arena in red. Like this is just during your upkeep draw card. Like at common, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and that, that and that's where that's where I need to uh, RTFC, as they say. They put the word upkeep in there, and I just didn't register it. You know what I'm saying? Like. Okay, blah, 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 beginning your upkeep, exile. Okay, you know, I see exile, and that's a big, splashy word. And I see library, and that's a big, splashy word. And plus X plus O is big and splashy. And just the upkeep part didn't really sink in. But yeah, yeah. I can see how that is crazy powerful to basically, quote-unquote, draw two cards a turn. So this whole cycle, I have a problem with. And that's the fact that this ability only exists on your field as long as you control your command. True. And... The only one of these that I'm really super high on is the blue one, because what the blue one says is, don't touch my commander, because if you touch my commander, I get value. What all the other ones read is, 
please remove my commander so that I just played this three or four mana do nothing enchantment and you'll never gain any value off of it. My other problem so far with the black and the red one is that they trigger on your upkeep or your draw step, which the black one you do have the chance to draw cards on other people's turns and, and get some value before your commander is potentially removed. But the red one is your upkeep. You, it, your, your commander has to last a turn cycle. So I'm or just both not... of your commanders. Or, or if you're running partners, you know, you have two <laughs> commanders out. But let's just run this in any red X deck that just has one commander. Yeah. Not super high on it. I think these cards will shine in partner decks where you do have access to two commanders and your opponents will, have, will need access to two removal spells, which theoretically among three players shouldn't be a problem. Um, but you know, it can be. Yep. Now, now all I want to do is run this with partner commanders. I understand that it's a, a Phyrexian Arena in common at red, but um, if you're not in a partner deck, I'm just not super high on it. I don't know. I think it's better because you don't lose the life. Uh, yes, I'm but I don't think it's going from... to trigger as often as. Imagine what happens if I no no land Shirei and keep him in play for an entire turn cycle to. If someone plays Tavern Brawler, your commander's gonna die. <laughs> what makes you think I'm running less than that in Tavern Brawler? Sure, but I also run 12 protection spells in Shirei for that. All of them. <laughs> I don't know what deck you're running this in. You could be running this in. Oh, yeah, in. you're I'm gonna have to Ripley. protect it. I mean, I could be running this in Blast Cannon, uh, <laughs> Captain Ripley. It ain't gonna be crud. It's gonna be great in Ripley. Deck. Watch me. At all. Witness me. It's not gonna do anything in Ripley. What are you doing? Why can't it do anything in Ripley? Because I've, Ripley I've is, put it Ripley's Ripley. the glass cannon of Can't you stop, it stop. up, go to combat, and someone blows up Ripley. Feels like ah. a mistake. <laughs> it's already there. I, I I will not be putting this into Ripley. <laughs> uh, you know what? That's that's your feelings, and I validate me it. And but you know, I'm just I'm I'm not I'm not high on this card. All right, looks like Liam has starting off with another impetus. What do you got? Yeah, I got the uh, the shiny impetus this time. Uh, two and a red for plus two plus two is goaded, and when the enchanted creature attacks, you create a treasure token. This is probably my favorite impetus, uh, j simply because it's red, and red is the best color. But yeah, uh, the treasure token is, is really good because you, you start to uh, accrue value back. I think some of the other impetus are hard to gauge in terms of value, uh, in particular the, the blue and the upcoming green ones. Just because there is no like real metric or huge number involved with those two. But with this red one, the metric is that creature needs to swing three times and you kind of got a free spell off of it and free damage on your opponents potentially. Uh, or even just three removal spells because your opponent's chump blocked each time the goaded creature attacked. I, I just I, I enjoy the impetus as a concept. Even though I'm not like super big on the goad mechanic, it's kind of weird. I, I love the impetus, but I hate goad. But I think it's because you get value when the creature attacks is why I like the impetus so much. But what do y'all think? I'm with you. I think my favorite part is probably not my favorite impetus, but my favorite part of it is obviously the treasure. And it's in the right color to sort of abuse and use treasures the uh, most effectively. So I will definitely be running a handful of these in various decks. What about you, Dave? Yeah, it seems so. Yeah. Boom. All right. Well, seems like we all kind of agree on that one. The next card I want to talk about is a modal spell, Been Caught Stealing. Actually, it's not Been Caught Stealing. It's You've Been Caught Stealing. Ah, see, I messed myself up. 
uh, <laughs> it is when red for a sorcery, choose one. You can either threaten the merchant uh, that you just stole from, so, you know, his day's going great. Each creature blocks this turn if able. Or you can bribe the guards trying to arrest you, and you can create a treasure token for each opponent who was dealt damage this turn. I think this card is really great. Uh, in particular, when you have cards like the Ingenious Artillerist or Reckless Fireweaver who are in a red deck probably creating treasure, dealing damage to your opponents, this is just a ritual of pay two mana, get three mana back, but you get artifacts. So you have like ETB and, and dies effects for those artifacts that can do disgusting gross things in Affinity. So I'm, I, I kind of like that mode. I also enjoy the mode of each creature blocks this ton of able because, oh boy, when you give your team death touch, it is entertaining. <laughs> even even more entertaining is is you give like, let's say you have like a six six or a seven seven, and you give that thing death touch, and you say everything blocks this ton of able, everything in combat is just gonna die, because yeah. I guarantee you your opponent does not have seven blockers. <laughs> So right. you just assign one point of damage to each of them. And sure, your creature might die, but the Build all your own of board wipe. Die too. I enjoy this card a lot. I think it is very versatile. I think it has a lot more uses than uh, what's just on the surface. Uh, what do y'all think? This is the card. I think you nailed it. Yeah, 100%. I like red cards that... It's a sorcery. I'm not a huge fan of that, but I like red cards that mess with combat and ramp you, so... It's, this hits this, both of them. This is the card I was talking about with uh, Vicious Battle Rager. Ah, uh, yes. I The only thing is it doesn't say each creature blocks. You know, Just target you only attack that person with the Battle Rager. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. You know, <laughs> I, I forgot that you can just attack with that. Even though I just said you just attack with one Death Touch Eye. You, know? you literally, yeah, just said it. Well, okay. That's okay. <laughs> I, also, I also really like uh, this I don't card have an excuse in, uh, for that. Sir Kara. <laughs> uh, Sir Kara is very good at. Like, yes. Yeah, so, so Vicious Battle Rager doesn't care about the treasures, loves the blocking clause. Kara doesn't nope. care about the blocking clause, yep. loves the treasures. Likes the treasures. Yeah, I think I think this this card has a lot of homes and a lot of decks. Um, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's just a, a slam dunk red staple, but I think it it has a lot more versatility than it than it. I really kind has. of don't think it's going to be a, much of a staple because like I don't have any decks that like really want to do either of those things. Like, I have the one deck that really wants to do one of those things, and I have another deck that really wants to do the other, and, like, the generic red deck doesn't, isn't invested enough in either of those things to spend a card on it. Yeah, that's a good point. It's definitely not a build around, you just may sort of, like, backstep into a deck that needs it. It's kind of like a support piece. Yeah. Alright, what you got? And my third and final one is, is Breath Weapon. So this is two and a red for an instant. And it deals two damage to each non-dragon creature. People who may be familiar with our format are going to know that two years ago in Commander Legends 1, when we got Fiery Cannonade as a downshift, that was huge. Dealing huge. two damage to each non-pirate creature. PDH does not have a lot of board wipes. I think we already mentioned this earlier with the uh, Arms of Hadara. So you kind of have to get really creative. That two damage to each non-pirate creature hits and kills a lot more things than you might realize. Uh, partially because creatures in PDH uh, and Pauper tend to be a little smaller, but also it just hits a lot of combo pieces, a lot, a lot of those combo creatures. Breath Weapon, having a second copy of that effect is amazing. I know this one hits non-dragons instead of non-pirates, but I, I guarantee you that non-pirate clause, it doesn't even matter. Like, 
usually you don't care about that pirate clause. I think that pirate clause only really matters in PDH, to be honest. I don't think when 60 card plays it, there's a lot of pirates it's missing. So I think Breath Weapon will definitely see play in 60 card. I think it will definitely see play in PDH as well as just another alternative to Fiery Candidate. Yeah, 100%. Just having a second uh, second copy of that, mm-hmm. I think, is what a lot of decks are looking for, a lot of pilots are looking for. Yeah, that's all I got. So I'm going to pass it off to Dave, I believe, to start green. Yeah, on the final color before we get to some colorless. Yeah, I'll start the green. The first green card I want to talk about is alphabetically the last green card. and It is <laughs> You Meet in a Tavern. Uh, this is not a new card. Uh, this card was first printed in Adventures of the Forgotten Realms a year or two ago as an uncommon. So it got downshifted in Baldur's Gate. So it is brand new to our format. And it's a juicer. This is a yes, it is. four mana sorcery. Two generic green green. For choose one, you can either form a party, which means look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal any number of creature cards from among them and put them into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom in any order. Or you can start a brawl. For (laughs) creatures you control, get plus two, plus two until end of turn. We've had both of these effects before, but never on the same card. Form a party is functionally the same as... um, Lead the stampede. Thank you, yes. Lead the stampede. What is the? It's it's a rare, but what is? It's a green card from Eldraine, and it features Garrick on it. Uh, I don't know. Return of the Wildspeaker. Yeah, so this feels Wildspeaker. very Return of the Wildspeaker. Sure. Yeah, it's a lot of text for a common. But yeah, Starter Brawl is the part that I'm like more excited about because we've had Lead the Stampede before in green, and Lead the Stampede is a fantastic card that I want more copies of to put in more decks. So like that alone makes this card very playable, even though it's one more mana. Start a Brawl is what I'm really enthusiastic about. We've had this Creatures You Control get plus two plus two effect before, but so far it's almost exclusively on white cards. This is one of the first green cards we have that buffs your entire team. And I have a lot of green go-wide decks that didn't have meaningful access to this before, and now they do. And it's stapled to a thing that I can like pivot into a lead the stampede, which is crazy good. What do you guys think? No, I agree with everything you've said. This is Yeah, I think you nailed it. I initially missed this, but I'm now looking at this. Heavily. No, it's crazy good. Awesome. I will move to the next one. The next card I want to talk about is Dread Lenorn. Dread Lenorn uh, falls into that same category we've talked about a couple times, where it's a big dragon with an adventure. We'll talk about the adventure half first. The adventure is a four mana instant for put two plus one plus one counters on target creature and untap it and it gains hexproof until end of turn. So for four mana, four mana is a lot for a protection spell, but you get everything. You get two counters, it untaps so you can block if that matters, and it gains hexproof. That's the real protection piece. This does everything you want it yeah. to do. And then, once you've used this really powerful protection half, you get to spend seven mana for a seven six that can't be blocked by creatures with power three or less. No chump no blocking. Chump block you either gotta play. throw a <laughs> meaningful creature under the seven six bus, or you take the seven. Yeah, I I really like mostly I like this guy for the protection piece. Uh, I have a lot of decks that like utilize plus one plus one counters on very sensitive creatures that are prone to dying a lot. 
So having one card that gives me the counters and the Hexproof at the same time is incredibly powerful to me. And then also turning that into a 7-6 later just feels like cheating. How do you guys feel about the Linorn? I like it. I like that it's a snake dragon. That's pretty cool. Um, I, I think I'm more of, as opposed to the ones we've already talked about, I think I might be more of a fan of the adventure half of this one than I am the actual dragon. It's fine. I mean, it's a big, big, goofy creature that you can probably cascade into or, you know, cast early, cheat it in with some ramp and what have you. But I really like those, you know, it's really going to beef up a creature. Plus, you know, you get two plus one, plus one counters. You untap it, it gains hexproof, all the, like you said, all the juicy bits. It is a little pricey at four mana for an instant, but uh, I think I think mm -hmm. it's pretty solid. I think it's stronger than it, than it appears, than it reads. So for this card, it really hurts the fact that it's an adventure creature. Uh, because both halves are, are being costed that, that one extra generic. The deck that I would play this in, that I have, is uh, Mowu, uh, Loyal Guardian. And a lot of the uh, four mana put two, maybe three counters on target creature instances and sorceries have kind of been pushed out of the deck recently. Uh, we just have a, a lot more efficient ways to, to put those counters on Mowu. Uh, and some of which even give him uh, Hexproof or Shroud or, or make him indestructible to uh, protect him from those uh, removal spells. I'd have to take a look at the list. I, there are no cards that come to mind that Dread Lenorm is just a, a strict upgrade to. If there are, like if I happen to be running some random 4-mana sorcery, put two counters on, on target creature, I'll probably replace it with this just for the added versatility, but I, I don't think any of those cards exist in the deck anymore. And that's the only deck that I would really play this in. But I mean... I, I do think what you guys have said it has has merits. It it definitely goes in, in certain decks uh, that care about that that ability, that spell. But the deck that Mowu is just cares about efficiency and protecting him at all costs and just getting that damage in as fast as you can. So I just don't think that this is quite where my deck wants to be. Sure. Um but I can definitely see it in any other deck. The next card that I'm going to talk about, uh, my, my third green card, this is a card that isn't very good, but is incredibly charming and deserves to be mentioned for that alone. We are talking, of course, about Carefree Swine Master. This is a 3-mana 1-4 Gnome Ranger. Whenever <laughs> she attacks, you can pay 2-mana. If you do, create a 2-2 two, two green boar creature token that is tapped and attacking. There are some token decks that want this. Uh, it's not fantastic rates, but it is repeatable, which is good. It's a 1-4, so it's hard to like kill on the block. Uh, the tokens you create are tapped and attacking, so if someone is holding up like a 3-3, three, three, they can just like kill the you know, on the attack step. So not, not outstanding, but the pig in the artwork for the card is everything I've ever wanted on a giant pig magic art card, so... I, I'm going to shoehorn this into a lot of decks that it doesn't belong into, just so I can appreciate that art. Right. Giant pig yeah. art. I believe it is a boar. Oh. I, I, I I'm think going to refer to this thing exclusively as a pig. So. In my deck, they are. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> I like the Gnome Ranger. It's a cute little name. It's cute, cute art. Decent creature. I don't know. I don't know. I always have problems with decent effects like this like it has you know you can create a token yada yada but it's only when it attacks like every time a creature has to attack that's one more chance for that creature to die and you only get one activation out of it if you will other than that i love it i love anything like this so i'll probably try to jam it and it'll die the first time i swing with it no, but i'll get a boar pig boar 
and I'll be sad. What do you think, Liam? Yeah, I kind of agree with everything you just said, Brad. Um, I I do like the charm of the code. I I, yeah. I think I think the whole green color in the set just has a certain charm to it. That's it. I'm not a green card, but I just don't think it'll be anything I personally play. Sure. Yep. Oh, he's out of green cards. It is right. Liam's turn yeah. for some green cards. Alrighty. So I have first up the impetus. Uh, we have predatory impetus for four and a green. It's an aura. The enchanted creature gets plus three, plus three, must be blocked if able, and is goaded. So, this would be a fantastic effect to staple to that vicious battle rager, <laughs> pumping, pumping it up and uh, making it must be blocked. Right. But yeah, I, I think that this impetus is probably pretty low for me, just because it doesn't really give you any extra benefit when the creature attacks. It just says right. must be blocked. So yeah, because it's just straight I don't up really that get, one line. Yeah. Uh, just since I don't get any extra value off of it, and it is the most expensive of the impeti, I'm just not super high on it. <laughs> but, the uh, but it does have dope new artwork that is like very high fantasy. And Isn't that? That, that yeah, artwork very is just an Odie use, right? The, it's like someone's pet Odie. Uh, do either of you have anything you want to say on it? No, I think you're I right. Do not like it. I have so many terrible memories of just getting ruined by Odie's and Dungeons and Dragons. I would prefer that the art be something else. <laughs> uh, i don't think it is no you can always play the commander 2020 version unless that's also the same thing no they all got they all got new artwork oh, okay but yeah the the card's okay it's i don't know that i'll ever cast it. like you said five mana is a lot for basically a permanent giant growth kind of thing i might try to toy with it on some death touch creatures or something like that but yeah overall i think it's mostly a pass it, exactly the next card that I have is Nature's Lore, a card that everyone should be familiar with. Uh, one of the green for a sorcery, search library for a forest, put on the battlefield, then shuffle. Uh, notice it does not come in tapped, so if you get in like a basic forest with this, you know, you can absolutely just, this costs one mana basically. You can, I have, I love fetching uh, the gingerbread cabin with this when I have three other mm -hmm. forests and getting that food token. Uh, but you can also just search up one of those new snow duels that we got last year. Yeah, very powerful to do that. Search up a duel with a, a basically a rampant growth. But I love that it's getting reprint here. This was another five dollar common. I think it's sitting like around two right now. Pick these up, like just just pick them up. Yeah, the cheapest version outside of Baldur's Gate is four dollars and sixty four cents. Yeah, and Baldur's <laughs> Gate is sub two dollars right now. So like you know, don't buy that pack of Devil Masters. Just buy nine Nature's Laws. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you'll be set. <laughs> uh, Hashtag MTG Finance. Exactly. Um, but that's all I have to say about the card. Uh, I don't know, Brad, Dave, do you want to add anything to Nature's Lore? No, I think I think you got it. You, yeah. you pretty much nailed all the all the important aspects of it. Alright, and then I'll move into my final card then uh, for green, which is Poison the Blade. One in a green for an instant. Target creature gains death touch until end of turn, and draw a card. We already had this exact effect, uh, one in a color for an instant, gain death at draw card in Pop ADH. Uh, it was Blade Brand in black. Um, we do have like two or three other ways in black and two or three other ways in green to temporarily grant a creature death touch, but none as powerful as Blade Brand was in green. Now we do. And for those of you who play Blade Brand in your decks where you have creatures dealing damage to other creatures uh through some kind of ability uh similar to that of like reckless fireweaver and the ingenious uh except instead of the opponent to other creatures poison the blade in green is fantastic i know blade brand and cryptic uh, crypt rats is 
a very common comedy. If you happen to be in green black, now you have another more efficient version of that death touch effect to grant to creatures. Yeah, 100%. I am always looking for the words draw a card on mono green cards. Not yeah. like virtual card advantage or tutors or ramp. Like I want draw a card on green cards. <laughs> so the more of those, the better for me. You like it, Dave? Yeah, I really like Bladebrand. I think that I honestly think that Poison the Blade is like kind of not not significantly, but like non-trivially worse. Just because I think that Black has a lot more ways to utilize Death Touch than Green does. Like oh we, sure, we yeah, mentioned sure. Crypt Rats. Like there's also you know Quombage Witches. Like Black just has a lot more like little pingy effects. And like Mayhem Devil, Bladebrand is a powerhouse in Mayhem Devil. Like Poison the Blade yeah, doesn't oh, go in that deck because it doesn't match the colors. But right, doesn't um, fit. I do think that it's. It's good to have it in green as well, and I'm excited that it's there. Yeah, we finally have a this effect in green. My my pick here was more to just highlight the effect and that it now exists, so that it's kind yeah. of on people's minds. Like I like like you both mentioned, I don't think there's any clear deck that it goes in right now, but I think that it should definitely be something people remember exists now. Yeah, don't don't forget about it because there will be a deck that wants it. Oh yeah, Give the it one thing that months. that green <laughs> does much much better than black is big stupid tramplers instant yep. speed death touch on your monster trampler like when when someone says uh i'll block your eight power guy with my line or elves and take or i guess doesn't have to be a line or else doesn't matter if it's line or else but if they're blocking like your eight eight trampler with like a right. four four poison the blade will make them take seven instead of just the four so uh that's neat but yeah yep all right let's move on to my green cards here and these are the last of the colored cards we're going to start off with Ambitious Dragonborn. It's another dragon. It's Dragon Barbarian, as a matter of fact. For three generic and a green, we get a 0-0. Zero, zero. Okay, just a 0-0. Zero, zero. But when it enters the battlefield, it comes with X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control and creatures in your graveyard. That is not combined. I read that wrong the very first time I read the card. I thought it was the highest power that you had on board and plus the highest power you had in your graveyard that is incorrect but no i definitely like this card a lot it goes along with some cool mill strategies or just big dumb idiot strategies so i like it and it's cheap it's four four mana for potentially seven seven eight eight you know anything of that nature so what do you think uh dave i i really like this effect is like a permanent boost uh, we talked last week about Skanos the Dragonhearted, who has this sort of like mm -hmm. very similar templated like trigger as an, a temporary boost as its attack trigger. The thing that I like about the the permanent version is that it it looks at current power, not like permanent power. So if you have some like fire breathing effects, or if you're putting this in a Thrakus deck, like Thrakus will you know double the power of your dragons when he attacks, or even Skanos Dragonhearted. Right who, when he attacks, he gets a big power boost yeah. until out of turn. If you're doing these things to, to give yourself one massive dragon, and then in the second main, you play this guy, like, he now permanently has the power and toughness of, like, your biggest dragon, which I think is... Of that yeah, doubled the, dragon, the, yeah. The dragon whose power you just doubled, like, that's the size of the new ambitious guy. Like, it is very ambitious. Yeah, yeah so for four mana, you yeah. got a 12-12. No this is fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, but in yeah. So I, I think he's really cool. I think there's some very clever things you can do with him. I mean, even if you get blown out, like he's still just a thick body. Yeah. Yeah. You can still say you did it. What do you think, Liam? You like the Dragonborn? I think it's all right. I think, I, I right. think you you've both <laughs> highlighted the ability. We well. tried to make the bad parts sound good. 
No, no, you, you highlighted the ability well. I just, I, I don't really have anything to add to it. The plus one, plus one counters That's decks fine. that I play focus on one creature, not right. a bunch of creatures being large. So if, if it was the, let's have a bunch of creatures be really large, like, I think this would go fantastic in, uh, oh, crap, what's the green-white elephant? Um, Guardian of Arashin? Sounds right. Uh, from the original Commander Legends. Tell me you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know Hamza. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think this would be I... really good in Hamza. I disagree. I like this. Really? To me, this is a card that you put into a deck that has a lot of other dragons, and other dragons don't really do the plus one plus one counter thing. Like he feels much less yeah. of a plus one plus one counter card and much more of a dragon tribal card. Yeah, I only I only have plans to play this in like Thrakus yeah. or other dragon decks. Like I, I have a bunch of plus one sure. plus one counter decks that I I didn't even look at this guy for because they don't have any dragons. It just wouldn't work. Right. And like trying to add enough yeah. dragons to support him just wouldn't be like meaningful no i just i don't know there's not there's not a lot for this card for me but but uh, what what you all have mentioned is what i would like thumbs down from liam for the dragonborn that's no problem number two my second green card up is circle of the land druid for a generic and a green we get a one one gnome druid that says when circle of the land druid enters the battlefield you may mill four cards and then it has a ability called Natural Recovery. When Circle of the Land Druid dies, return target land card from your graveyard to your hand. I know, Dave, you were quite a bit higher on this card than I was, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. I like it. With the amount of mill that I foresee myself playing now that this set has been released, I can see how this card would come in very handy, uh, where you could do some, some silly stuff with three or four land drops per turn, perhaps. Um, overall, it'll probably go... It'll probably go in a mill deck strictly because I'll need room to fill out the 99. But I don't know if there's anything particularly special about the land druid that I'm in love with. What do you think? I think it's a worse satyr wayfinder. I sure. Very fair. I think that if you need two satyr wayfinders, this is totally fine. I think that it's going to be a hard sell outside of that situation. I think I can only think of one deck that is like really happy to run this card, and it's so maybe you weren't as high on as it as I, as I, I remember. I, I don't. I don't think I was. about somebody else. Yeah, this for for the extremely dedicated mill deck, this card does work. But I have very few of those. I yeah. Like to mill yeah, that's more pretty casually. much it. What do you think, Liam? I have no idea where I stand on this. <laughs> well, that's not strictly true. I I do need things. I. Well, I, I do need things to end up in my graveyard at some point. I just don't use green to do it. Right. So yeah, I, I, I just don't know if this is not this is not my playstyle. I can see it being just the That's second Seda Wayfinder, but it's kind of it. Yeah, no problem. All right, it's our last colored card. I'm pretty excited. Are you guys excited? I'm excited. I'm excited. Surprise, surprise. It's another enchantment on my list. It's another I'm background. Shocked called master chef for two generic and a green it's a legendary enchantment background it says commander creatures you own have this creature enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it and other creatures you control enter the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on them pretty good i like it i like plus one plus one counter synergies uh, dave you mentioned a minute ago that you have a plus one plus one counters mono green deck is that correct does this fit in there i have a handful of plus one plus one counters deck none Ooh. of them are mono green but this is going into all of them okay this card is perfect very strong. yeah it seems very I very do strong have the plus one plus one counter mono green deck uh mo and this is absolutely going in there 
Yeah, I didn't I didn't put the backgrounds in every color choice tonight for me, but this is probably second favorite behind like flaming fists. When I when I made my comment earlier about the red one, the tavern brawler, I forgot that green was the your commander entering also gets the counter. In my head I had it just I had it just other creatures entering got the counter. So now that I'm, you know, rereading the card, I will probably put this in Mowu. Just to have it enter with two counters is really good whenever I recast it. Outside of that, I, I think it just goes in every pulse plus one counter deck that is green x because you know you have your commander out which theoretically does some kind of benefit with those counters and now everything you play is just ivy link so i think it's really good right <laughs> also worth noting that it does it enables some infinite persist loops yes oh yeah excellent well i think that wraps up the color pie we're going to move on to some colorless cards here now we got three of each for each of us as well uh, Liam's going to start us off. What you got? Yeah, so first up, I have the Decanter of Endless Water. It is an artifact for three mana. Tap to add one mana of any color, and you have no maximum hand size. If you've ever wanted your Thought Vessel to tap for anything but colorless, this is the card for you. I don't yeah. even care that it costs one more. I think that cost is well worth it to have the color. I think Wizards has been doing a really good job with the three mana mana rocks in this. Uh, well, not just in this set, but but just recently. This one's a slam dunk in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. I think dunk. that effect is that effect is really good for the decks that want it. And now that they have access to two mana rocks that have it, one of which produces color, is amazing. So I'm yep. I'm kind of really high on this. Uh, Brad, sounds like you agree. Dave, what do you think? I think that this effect is really overrated. I feel like Reliquary Tower got a reputation in EDH because EDH has all these like massive powerhouse bombshell like draw 15 cards nonsense things. Yep. I've been playing PDH for like almost 10 years. I like the number of times I've discarded to hand size and also cared is like twice. Like I've but it, but it's the promise. It's the promise of what what can I'm be sure done. I'm sure it's more than twice, Dave. Um, <laughs> I but, I cast my spells. But, I empty my hand. Like I I I agree with you. Um, I I think the no maximum hand size is a little overrated for the decks that care. Having the extra ability. What deck cares? Like what what deck are you playing that's routinely ending its turn with like eight cards and like looking at that and being like, I need all eight of these. My Queza eggs deck tends to end the turn with like ten cards in hand. Discarding Yeah, I could see an eggs deck doing that. Three to four every turn kinda hurts. Especially like if all ten cards are just straight gas cards, then it doesn't. But like let's say it's an early turn and you know three to four of the cards are lands and you know the others are, are eggs which which are my, my main source of gas like it it tends to hurt a little 10 bit card just hands in the early have turns? To, like turn four or five <laughs> it just says I... that casually yeah you know yeah the, the okay scene. <laughs> it just it hurts a little bit so i do run thought vessel and i do run uh library of mine in that deck oh not the library yeah oh, oh yeah oh yeah so that I'm, feels bad i'm currently deciding I'm, I'm deciding if Decanto has room in that deck. Play it over the library. I'm unsure. <laughs> library is so profoundly useless at everything. Please play a Mana Rock over Library of Lang. <laughs> All right, I think we're devolving. What's your next card, Liam? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so my next card is, is Quick. It's Prize Statue. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. It's a two-mana artifact. When it enters the battlefield or when it's put into the graveyard, it does a thing. In this case, that thing is make a treasure token. Uh, turns out, paying two mana for an artifact that enters that you want to die and on both instances makes a treasure is free uh, and tends to be pretty good because you get, effectively, three artifacts entering the battlefield and leaving for three mana. Uh, this is everything that oh, yeah. we love to 100%. Do, and I yep. look forward to playing this. 
No, I'm with you. It seems pretty decent. I mean, it's kind of in that same vein as like an Iker Wellspring, but it does a different thing. So yeah, the decks that want it, this will. I think this will overperform in certain I, decks. I love the statue a lot. Like, oh yeah, it's. I almost like it in in certain decks. Yeah. I like it more than the Wellsprings because like the the decks that want to be playing and sacrificing artifacts just get two more artifacts to sacrifice. So very powerful. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then my final card is yet another mana rock it is lantern of revealing three mana for mana with effect add one mana of any color but then you have four tap look at the top card of your library if it's a land card you may put it onto the battlefield tapped if you don't put the card on the battlefield you may put it on the bottom of your library i think this kind of filtering and potential land ramp is strong can't think of any of my decks off the top of my head that really, really want this effect, but I can foresee myself potentially using it in the future. I do use the three mana rocks uh, Bonda's Ornament, which is kind of like the group draw card, and I do use Honored Heirloom, which is kind of like single targeted grave removal. I can see myself using this in, in a deck in the future. Uh, I'm just not sure where yet. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I yeah. agree. Um... It'll take some some looking around to find where it goes. And it is similar. I think this is what Bonder's Ornament should have been instead of being strong enough to get banned out of 60-card popper. But I like it. I like the effect. Seems decent if, if you're slowing down, if you're stalling out, that sort of thing. Or even if you have a deck that you know is going to go long enough to use this ability regularly. You like it, Dave? You like artifacts that let you do stuff? I I really like it. It has all... The, the three-drop the three rock slot right now has really stiff competition i think bonder's ornament yep. is much better i think honored heirloom is much better yep i think network terminal i would not play this over them no terminal i'm kind of uh, yeah network terminal is more situational but i i still think in most cases it's it's sort of the better engine there are some decks that really really want the fourth one like if if, if you're doing things with landfall if you're stacking the top of your deck mm-hmm. at all i think that it's um i think it, it can be a very powerful card but it's uh, like i think i think liam summarized it perfectly it's a very powerful effect i'm not sure what deck it goes into yet but i'm right. sure it'll end up in a couple yeah yep all right i think that rounds out liam's colorless let's start over here with me my first one up is a just a six mana four four flying dragon artifact creature that's all it is it's Shardolin Dragon. I got nothing. I just like it. I really started paying a lot of attention to... Obviously, this set really kind of pushed it in our faces, but Dragon Synergies, Dragon Decks, Possibilities with Dragons, Tokens, Treasures, you know, Fire Breathing, rah, all this cool stuff with Dragons, and I just like it. I think for... It, it might be a little overcosted at 6 mana, but it's a colorless dragon that goes in just about any big mana deck that you want, so I'm cool with that. What do you think? I really like this guy. I am building the Is It Dragon deck. I think the thing I really like about this guy is that from this set alone, like I've designed an Is It Dragon deck. I know that Brad has designed a Gruul Dragon deck, and another friend of mine has designed a Simic mm-hmm. Dragon deck, and all three of them are running this Shardolin Dragon, which I think is really cool. Like this is right. this is the common ground <laughs> that we all share. Yeah. You like the dragon, Liam? Yeah. Yeah, it looks solid. I like that it's an artifact. All right, next up for me, we have Cloak of the Bat. I know there was a lot of buzz about this one when it was spoiled. We have a two-mana artifact equipment. Equipped creature has flying and haste, and you equip it for two. I think this is a great addition to most decks that care about their commander doing something other than just being in play. This card already existed. Yeah. It's called Feet Feather Sandals. (laughs) 
and people say that options. what irritates me is people say fleet feather sandals is bad oh, so this card the is difference amazing. between them is this card has incredible art is the artwork fleet feather sandals is yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah, the art I, is amazing I even commented on that. I was like, I, I saw this forward, and I'm like, that looks oddly familiar. So I checked through my uh, Yorgle deck, and I found Fleet Feather. And I was looking yeah. at them, and I'm like, these are identical. And I was like, I posted to uh, Twitter. I was like, you know, sometimes the thing that makes or breaks a card is definitely the artwork. Just the artwork. <laughs> um, like, I, I don't have room in my deck for both of these. Right. Uh, but I absolutely took Fleet Feather out the cloaking because the artwork is just better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly that's that is that is correct that is the maneuver i also did that like i i have this in um radiant and uh ardent and i took out fleet feather and i put mm-hmm. in close like it better because i just like it a lot and more. the alternative the special showcase treatment's pretty cool too i like i was about to say i like the regular art over the showcase but the showcase really just screams batman yeah like let's be real <laughs> yeah it does and i love it all right, so that's a functional reprint. Let's move on to my third and final one. It's Marut, or Maru, if you're French, I guess. It's a 8-mana 7-7 seven, seven for an artifact creature construct with trample. Solid. When Marut enters the battlefield, if mana from a treasure was spent to cast it, create a treasure token for each mana from a treasure token spent to cast it. Whew, that's a lot of treasure speak. What do you think? I just, I'd like it. I don't know. I thought it was silly. It seems like somebody at some point is going to do something really crazy with it, like cast it for free somehow and just off treasures. I don't know. What do you think? I think it has two major uses. I think that I have uh, a number of decks that really, really want to have massive trampling thick idiots. Mm-hmm. And this is a massive trampling thick idiot. Yes, so, it, yes it uh, is. That checks that box. Uh, I think where this card is really, really interesting is Kelane, the uh, red-black Treasures Matter card from the first Dungeons & Dragons set. Okay. I recently built Kelane, and she has the ability to, when you cast a creature, uh, it get, comes in with a plus one, plus one counter for each treasure you spent on it. Mm-hmm. So this is potentially free 15-15 trample. <laughs> and that's all I got. <laughs> it seems like a seems yeah, that's, solid. No, that's, even if that's all you got, that's still yeah. a lot. <laughs> You like it, Liam? What do you What do you got? What do you got for the Marut Treasure I have guy? An incredible urge to make this work in sixty cards. I think outside of Kalein, I'm not really sure there's another deck that could really take advantage of just creating mass treasures to get this for free. I think you can consistently get it down to four or five for sure. Uh, just getting eight treasures on the field is just it. It'll take work. It'll take multiple spells to do that. So I'm just I'm not sure about it. But I definitely like I have a desire to make this work in sixty cards. That's fair. Totally fair. I just want to spend a bunch of treasures and make it huge and free. Yeah, I mean, yeah. All that silliness. All right, that wraps up my colorless. What do you got, Dave? I am going to talk about the last three cards of the night. Um, I'm going to talk about the first two together. This is a pair of cards that deserve uh, some recognition here. They are sure. Basilisk Gate is a land uh, with the subtype Gate. Comes into play untapped. Taps for a colorless mana. And for two and tap it, target creature gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of gates you control. That's not a combat trick. You have to activate it at sorcery speed. But if you have a couple gates, that's not insignificant. I'm also going to talk about... Especially if you have ways to untap the best. Oh, yeah. If you're doing this with, like, Lay Lay Loreweaver shenanigans, doing it a couple times, Mm -hmm. you get out of hand. 
The sister card to this is called the Heap Gate. Heap Gate is our other colorless gate. Uh, it also enters untapped, taps for colorless. It's got the filter thing where for one and tap it, you can add a mana of any color. Or for one, tap Heap Gate. Also tap an untapped gate you control. You can create a treasure token. So you're essentially spending three mana, the Heap Gate, a second gate, and a generic mana to create a treasure token, if you have a high enough density of gates to be able to do this reliably. These cards together yeah. are sort of pushing, they're pushing me to just completely overhaul the mana bases of a handful of my decks so that they include a lot of, of gates. Of a lot of decks, yeah. That's, that's... Yeah, because we have, we have gates for yeah. years and years that's worth of gates. That's a heck of a Right. Thing. I'm pretty okay with it. Like, right. <laughs> but I mean... No, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I, in any given two-color deck, you have the guild gate, you have the two uh, new ones, the monocolor ones that enter choose a color, yep. so that's three. Basilisk gate, heap gate, and then you've got the gateway plaza, yes. so you said six. That's exactly what I was going to say. Two-color deck. two, two decks get yes. six. And then you go to a... Th- yep. And I think three-color decks get... Three-color three decks uh, get... Nine, they should get right? ten. Three Ravager guild gates, gateway plaza is four. Three, uh, oh, no, you're right, you're right. It is nine. Yeah. Thriving Gates is what I'm going to call yeah. them. So it's seven, eight, yeah, nine. Yeah. I mean, still, like, overhauling those mana bases to include gates, especially when so many of the new ones come in. I, I just really want to be able to, like, in, in any of my decks that have artifact sub-themes or sacrifice sub-themes, like, I want to be able to run the Heap Gate. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm willing to just slow down the deck a little bit for it. Any of my decks that want to be attacking with a commander, like, they, I want to have Basilisk Gate in there. Even if it's just adding like plus two plus two, uh, that seems solid. Uh, I think that these are going to be really fun <laughs> to play around with. I think they're going to be really exciting. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I like that they add another layer to the deck building to yeah, the game. They don't go into everything, yeah, I, I but they go into enough exciting. of my decks that I definitely wanted to talk about them. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. Yeah, and there are some, a handful of creatures that interact with gates specifically. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know if there's enough to build like whole archetypes off of it, but um, but that'll be fun too. The slight the, interaction. The problem with these gates is like like Liam was saying, in a two color deck, you only have us? six of them, so. They only really work the, the basilisk gate and the heap gate. They only really work in combination with having a bunch of other gates in play. If you get the other gates, how do you find these two that matter? Or if you have these two that matter, but you don't have the other gate to be able to utilize them, how do you get them? Right. And they gave us the answer in this set. It's called Navigation Orb. This is a three mana artifact that for two tap and sacrifice, search your library for up to two basic land cards and or gate cards, reveal them. Put one onto the battlefield tapped and the other into your hand. And or gates. Yes. This is, if you're doing the gate strategy, this is two gates at once. So you can you can have either of them online. You can have them both online immediately with this one card. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, if you're doing the gate strategy, this, this card almost has to be in your deck somewhere. It seems good to kind of get both uh, Heap and Basilisk online at the same time, but I almost yeah. feel like the correct play is get one of the ones that naturally comes in tapped, and then either Heap or Basilisk. Depending on what your deck wants to do, that that is very reasonably the correct play. Yeah. yeah. Sure. The other thing I love about this card is that it's not just gates. Even if you're not running any gates, this is five mana cultivate. And I have a lot of like yeah. mono black decks that would pay five mana for cultivate in an instant. I have mono white decks, mono red decks. These are decks that like badly want ramp, but don't have good access to it. And like 
They're already running Wayfarer's Bobble, which is not a great ramp spell, just because they don't have Rampant Growth. And this is now, we have Artifact Rampant Growth, now we have Artifact Cultivate. And you pay more for it, but in some decks, that's worth it. That's okay. That's yeah. absolutely okay in some decks. I'm okay with it, and I haven't even built this a deck for it This is the card yet. that I ordered, like, 36 of, because I've got <laughs> a lot of decks, and it's going into a bunch of them. Nice. That's... That's it, the end. All right. I think that is the end of our marathon Baldur's Gate uh, common review. Liam, did you have anything to add to the cards before we hit the outro? I don't have anything to really add to the cards other than the fact that if you hear people at your LGS say that this set is full of duds, just point them to the comments section. Like, And I will I'll fully admit that I was guilty of that for yes, about five that. minutes. And vocally on Twitter, too. <laughs> Yeah. There's just so many good things in this set that I literally don't have the budget to build all of them, and it makes me sad. But you gotta, you got to pick and choose. Yeah. Nope. I'm totally with you. All right. Well, we do want to thank everyone that hung out with us in our two-and-a-half-plus-hour marathon here that tuned in this week. In the meantime, if you, if for some reason, somehow you need more PDH or Pauper com Commander talk after this show, if you have any questions about the format, you can email us at thepdhpod at gmail.com. You can head on over to PDH's, PDH Homebase's website or the Discord. You can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at uh, uh, Popper underscore B, and Liam's at, at Popper Command. I'll put all the links in the details. Alcadron, where can these people find you, buddy? I'm at the PDH Homebase Discord, and I'm the PDH Reddit. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Did we miss anything? I know, Liam, you wanted to give it a little shout-out for yourself in there. What yep, do you got for so us? So, for those who may not be following me on Twitter yet, I'm going to give you a little incentive. Right now, I am running a Borderless Double Masters uh, Bounce Land giveaway. Check it out there on my Twitter for more details. There is two winners at the moment. One will win a complete set of non-foil Bounce Lands, and one will win a complete set of foil Borderless Bounce Lands. That is super cool. Yeah. And there is a and those bounce lands are and sweet. And because it is double masters, there is a chance to double up those winnings for two non-foil winners and two foil winners. But you got to check out my Twitter for more details. Oh, Someone, nice, nice. Yes, definitely hit them up once again. That's at Popper Command. What you got, Dave? Someone's getting real lucky. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone's getting real lucky because those are sweet. Those are they super are. sweet. They were spoiled a couple of days ago. They were awesome. They're like, I love the. Definitely got to pick guys. me up some. Yeah, hands down. But yeah, I think that finally pulls a curtain on episode three of the PDH pod. I want to thank MTG Brad for letting us use their original music on the in and the out. And lastly, from everyone in here to everyone out there, go brew a deck and go play some games, and we'll see you in about a week. Peace. Cheers. I brought pump text at the party. Party.